Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Lights, No Camera Action. I am joined, as always, I, first of all, I'm Noah. I, I should... I should get used to saying that because, you know, some people may be watching this on or listening to this on Anchor and not immediately know who I am. So I'm Noah and I'm joined as always by Jacob. Hello, everyone. And uh, today's going to be a little more casual episode. We do have some stuff we're going to be talking about, but um, this is sort of a a last minute recording sesh for this one. Um, Just because... I don't know how much availability I'm going to have in the coming weeks uh, because I just got cast in my college's spring play. So I'm going to be real busy with that uh, starting uh, this Monday. Um, So uh, yeah, we got a couple things we're going to be talking about first. Uh, First thing I wanted to talk about is um, the fact that, um, uh, and this news is a couple weeks old at this point, so forgive us, but um, Disney a couple weeks ago announced that they were shutting down um, Blue Sky Studios, which of course they acquired through Fox. Blue Sky Studios was Fox's animation division for a while. Um, and uh, yeah, they yeah, they announced it earlier uh, in February um, that they would be shutting down. And so uh, we thought um, it, it'd be nice to, you know, take a look back at some of um, Blue Sky's filmography over the years. I mean, it, it won't take long. Like, they, they only ever produced 13 films, so they don't have many films to talk about. And hey, they have two television specials, too. <laughs> don't need it. <laughs> You don't need to go over those. They're just more scratch specials. They made a lot of scratch specials. <laughs> uh, which I actually, I figured out while looking into this, two of the, sc- the first two scratch shorts were nominated for Oscars. Oh. Yeah, they were both nominated for Best, An- uh, best Animated Short Film. Oh, and neat. Blue Sky Studios does have one short uh, called Bunny that... Um, they released in 1998 before any of their feature films that actually won best animated short film. Neat. So yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to be focusing on the feature films today. Um, first up, of course, uh, we, we have the, the film, their uh, feature film debut and the film that uh, pretty much everyone knows them for ice age uh, released March 15th, 2002. Um, I should also say it's been, it, we haven't seen all of these films and it's even the ones we have seen, I'm sure it's, it's been quite a while since we've seen some of these. Um, I, it has been, I don't even remember the last time I saw the first Ice Age. Uh, oh, do you remember about this one? No. I, I also can't remember the last time I saw this movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I remember it being good um, as, a, as a kid. Of course, you know, Scrat 
um, sort of became their mascot um, of sorts. And uh, it, it's funny. I, I feel like more people remember Ice Age for Scrat's antics than the actual movie. <laughs> um, and any of the future movies for that matter, because they, they, they produced a lot of sequels. Yeah. Um, yeah, up next, um, we've got Robots, uh, which released in uh, March 11th. Wow, all of, their first four movies were all released in March of different years. <laughs> um, yeah, Robots was released March 11th, uh, 2005. So three years after the first Ice Age. And um, from what I understand, this one is not nearly as good. It, again, it's been many years since I've seen this one. All I remember from it is that Robin Williams is in it. I remember it reasonable about because I used to really love that movie when I was a kid. Yeah. I just know that CinemaSins tore it the fuck apart. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, and then after that, you have Ice Age The Meltdown, which uh, came out March 31st, 2006. I actually, I have no idea if I ever saw this movie. I, I know that I did see this movie, but I think I only saw it once, which compared to the other movies around it is a lot less. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I, I wasn't like a major Ice Age fan. I obviously, as a kid, I was I was much more of a fan of Pixar's uh, work and, uh, you know, some older Disney movies um, than I was into other animation studios. Um, I feel like that goes for most people, but Blue Sky still created a lot of movies that um, people look fondly on. Um after Ice Age: The Meltdown, this is this is where um, my my knowledge uh, becomes a little uh, greater. Um, in uh, on March fourteenth, two thousand eight, they released Horton Here's a Who, which might be the best feature film adaptation of a Dr. Seuss book. Honestly, like it's probably the best Dr. Seuss film. Um. Because, I mean, the live action... Well, I mean, live action Cat in the Hat is garbage. Uh, live action Grinch has its moments, but is still not phenomenal. Um, Lorax I like more than most people. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, Illuminations Grinch was fine, but is going to age poorly. Um Ordinary's a who, like, I, I, last time I watched this was when we were doing the episode on adaptations, um, because I watched all the Dr. Seuss movies except for the Lorax, because I couldn't find my copy of it, um, but yeah, no, this one, this one holds up, it's got a really solid voice cast, uh, oddly enough, a lot of people forget that Horton and Grinch were both played by Jim Carrey, <laughs> Really? Yeah, he yeah, the uh this one's got uh Jim Carrey as Horton and he does a great oh, job. Uh Steve Carell is the mayor of Whoville. This, uh, let me look at the cast for this because I know 
This way, Blue Sky tend to go all out for their casts for sure. Yeah. Because I mean, the Ice Age movies, you've got Ray Romano, um, John Leguizamo, and Dennis Leary. Um, robots, again, I mentioned Robin Williams. Oh my God, I forgot. Wow, Robots had an even better. I'm going to go back to Robots for a second because hear this cast. Ewan McGregor, who I didn't think of when I put on the thumbnail, he, he's on the thumbnail for a completely different reason that we'll get to. Um, Halle Berry, Greg Kinnear, Mel Brooks, Amanda Bynes, Drew Carey, and Robin Williams. That is, that's a stat. Well, shit. Wow. That is a stat cast for early 2000s. Holy shit. Um, yeah. It, yeah, and then Horton Here's a Who, you've got, yeah, like I mentioned, Jim Carrey as Horton, Steve Carell as the mayor of Whoville. Uh, you have Carol Burnett. I believe she plays Sour Kangaroo. Yep. Um, Will Arnett as Vlad Vladikov. Seth Rogen as Morton. Um, oh, I didn't know this. Selena Gomez is in it as one of the mayor's daughters. Oh. I didn't know that. Um, huh. But, yeah, Dan Fogler is in this. Isla Fisher. Uh, Amy Poehler. Jonah Hill. Uh, Jesse McCartney plays JoJo. Um, uh Joey King plays Katie uh, in one of her earlier roles, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, they, yeah, they tend to go all out for for their casts over at Blue Sky. Um, but yeah, Horton Years a Who. If if y'all haven't seen that and are fond of Doctor Seuss, that that one, I, it, yeah, that that I think is by far the best. Um, and I think universally agreed upon that that is the best. It, it's at least probably got higher reviews than any other Dr. Seuss movie. Um, but it's not one that a lot of people talk about. So I, I definitely feel like that one deserves more love. Um, then we go on to Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, which came out. July first, which you may know for which you may know from being the only reason people in our generation probably know the song "Walk the Dinosaur." <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember. I remember seeing this. You know, it's it's super funny. Again, I don't remember much at all about my experiences watching the first and second Ice Age movies. I remember the third and fourth ones specifically because I saw both of them for Dean's birthday parties <laughs> in 2009 and 2012, respectively. We, like, he had us go see them in theaters, uh, like, as a group. Um, I probably, I remember liking Dawn of the Dinosaurs the best, I think. Um, you remember making fun of that one, too. Yeah, um... Uh, but yeah, they they introduced dinosaurs in that one, which it, which is interesting. Um, and then uh, yeah, 
Um, and then um, this is probably the biggest success I, um, Blue Sky ever had that nobody talks about anymore. Uh, and that is Rio, which released April 15th, 2011. I remember is, this. It's a little ironic to say that because looking at like the gross, like it earned almost half of Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Wait, wait, what? Say that like, again? Looking at like, I'm on Wikipedia looking at like the move, the growth, like how much the movies earned. Uh, Dawn of the Dinosaurs earned 886 million. Rio earned 484 million with the same budget. Oh, wow. I. However, it was reviewed way better for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess I, I thought that, yeah, no, I totally thought that, I, yeah, I guess the Ice Age sequels were the most successful, but like. Which, which, make, which makes sense, like, in terms of monetary success, but in terms of, like, actual being a thing, I get, yeah, I'd probably give it to Rio, too. It's just like, wanted to bring in the fact that two of the Ice Age movies almost made a billion dollars at some point. That's... And not. And not the two I was expecting, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I I thought Rio was their most financially successful, but I, I guess I was wrong on that. But yeah, no, they... Um, I mean, it makes sense that the... Yeah, it'll the advantage of being a franchise. Because, yeah. like, yeah, no, the third and fourth Ice Age movies made a ton, and then the, the, the fifth one didn't do... Uh, nearly as good. <laughs> yeah, although Rio Two did pretty well for itself. It yeah. actually earned. It probably actually earned. Okay, the budget was higher, but it earned. But it earned more than the first Rio, which is kind of impressive. Yeah, considering that no one talks about Rio Two. I feel like yeah, no. I feel like with I feel like with animated movies specifically, it is more common, especially now, for the sequels to make more money. Um, significantly more money than the fir- than the original. I mean, um, I mean, I believe I believe Minions is in like the top five highest grossing animated film. That, that does not surprise me, unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's a that's a shame. <laughs> that is a shame. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, Rio. Yeah, no, like, I feel like everyone, like, when we were kids, I feel like everyone was like, oh, Rio's so good, and then no one talks about it anymore. Uh, that, but, hold that, up. Did George, Lu- did, not George Lucas, did George Lopez play a toucan in that movie? Yes. Okay. Again, they went all, I mean, you got Jesse Eisenberg, Anne Hathaway, Leslie Mann, uh, Jemaine Clement as the villain, um, Tracy Morgan, Jamie Fox. Hell, in, in the in the sequel, they get Bruno Mars. To oh play. wow! Yeah, yeah. Bruno Mars is actually in the cast of the second one, and Bruno Mars doesn't do much acting. Um, it's actually funny. Um, it, this is completely a tangent, but um. I remember uh, for my for my audition for Little Shop of Horrors, I ended up picking a song um, from the musical adaptation of the movie Honeymoon in Vegas, which is mm-hmm. a romantic comedy starring Nicolas Cage and Sarah Jessica Parker 
uh, before Nicolas Cage went crazy. Uh-huh. Although there's hints of Crazy Cage in there. <laughs> of it in there. And, and James Caan is in it too. Um, basically, like, Nicolas Cage and Sarah Jessica Parker are a couple, and um, he takes her on a trip to Vegas, uh, but uh, James Caan tries to steal her away because she reminds him of his dead wife or something. It's it it's ridiculous, but um, a classic rom com setup. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's a fun movie. I I'd recommend it. It's it's a fun movie. Um, but um, when when my mom and I were looking up the cast because we wanted to watch the movie just for fun because like I think I found it like super cheap to buy on Amazon. Uh, on DVD, so we, so I got it, uh, and we decided to watch it together. And as we were looking more into the cast, we discovered. Now, I, hang on, I I need to check again when this movie came out. Um, twenty Moon in Vegas, nineteen ninety two. Uh, so keep that in mind. When we looked at the cast, we noticed something interesting. Uh, Bruno Mars is in the movie as a young child <laughs> um, playing playing a young Elvis impersonator actually like he's a he's a kid Elvis impersonator oh that's great <laughs> very briefly but if you know if you if you know to look for him, you can totally recognize him. Is <laughs> is yeah, like we like my mom and I were watching this movie just waiting for Bruno Mars to show up, and then he shows up and he's like, That's him, that's Bruno Mars! And our dogs were freaking out because they were so <laughs> confused as to why we were <laughs> Screaming at the TV like it's Bruno, it's little Bruno. But yeah, so yeah, totally a tangent that we went off on there. <laughs> but yeah, um, and uh, yeah. Anyway, so you got Rio, and also it is worth noting. Um, what one other notable thing about Rio is that it's the reason Disney Pixar's Newt doesn't exist. Um, are, are you familiar I'm with I'm going to say what is that, but it doesn't exist, so... Well, <laughs> so here's the thing. You know how, like, how DreamWorks sort of ripped off a lot of Pixar movies? Um, yeah. Because, like, two of the employees were, like, essentially... I, one or two of them were essentially, like, like they had, they held a grudge against Pixar for something, and um, so they were like having their corporate dick measuring contest. Yeah, essentially, yes. Um, so, um, at the point in time where Rio was being made, Pixar just so happened to be also working on a movie called Newt, which is a very similar concept to Rio, but instead of blue macaws, it's newts. 
um, where, where essentially like the, this species of newt is endangered and they like they bring the last male and the last female together in hopes of mating them. Uh -huh. um, so, so that's what Newt was going to be. But then Rio came out and Pixar scrapped Newt because they didn't want to look like they were ripping off Blue Sky. Um, so yeah. Interesting. Yeah, just a little interesting thing there. You don't hear a lot about like canceled Pixar projects. Um, so that, that's just an interesting one to know. Also, one other interesting thing to note about Rio is that the blue macaws specifically depicted in that movie just went extinct. I think it happened a little while before Disney shut down the studio, but yeah, that's that that's an interesting and sad thing to note. I I didn't realize they were an actual species of bird. I'm going to yeah, be honest. No, yeah, no, they're a real species of bird. I just they're not. I just assumed that they didn't know how colors of birds wet works. No, nah, nah, those, those blue macaws are real. Well, well, I mean they're not anymore, but. <laughs> Anyway, um, Ice Age Continental Drift came out. Okay, okay, I, actually, real quick, there's one more thing I wanted to say about Rio. Okay, and yeah. the thing that's bugged me about Rio since I saw it. And that's okay. So I forget the name of either of the birds, but the male bird uh, is, is from Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it takes place in Minnesota. To no, start they start in Minnesota. They go to, like, I want to think it's Brazil. I think it's Brazil. Yeah, well, because that's where Rio is. Yeah. You know, that is a good point. I'm, that's where Rio is. I'm going to be honest. I think part of, I think my mind was filling in Rio as the name of one of the birds. No, <laughs> uh, it's, I, I know the, I know the male one is blue. Okay. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So the birds from Minnesota and so is his owner, and they both go to Rio. And so the film has a bunch of Minnesota jokes in it, just <laughs> sprinkled throughout. And I enjoy a good Minnesota joke every once in a while. I enjoy making good Minnesota joke every once in a while. There's one that has confused me for years, and it's okay. So it's a scene where two people, like not two people, where like a bunch of the birds are together and like something had just happened and now they're like listing things that go together really well. And Blue says, cheese and sprinkles. And every and the, everyone looks at him like he's insane and he goes, ah, it's a Minnesota thing. And I was just so, and I've been confused by that statement ever since, because that is not a Minnesota thing. I have never heard of anyone pairing those two things together since then. And when I saw it when I was a kid with my mom, we were both actively confused in the audience. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is totally not a Minnesota thing. We, if if y'all couldn't tell, both of us live in Minnesota. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, also, I I want to say, uh, your mic peaks a little bit, and it was like previously it was like not a huge deal. When you were ranting about that, it peaked significantly. 
Well, well, I'm glad the thing to pick the mic was the cheese and sprinkles ranch from Rio. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man, Cinema Sin Sincast also recently had a cheese rant in one of their episodes. I don't remember the specifics, but it's funny that they they that we both had one. Um <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so then we've got Ice Age Continental Drift, the other one I saw in theaters for one of Dean's birthdays. Um, just as a side note, uh, the other film I remember seeing for uh, Dean's birthday and then never again was Suicide Squad. Um, so, you know. Um, but so what I, you're saying is you and Dean have a great track record for it. Watching movies on his birthday. Oh, no. And you know what the funny thing is? I just remembered another example. Not that we went to see in a theater, but that... The, the, okay, so there was one year where, like, um, he... The, again, another tangent. Um, when did we start recording? Uh, good question. Uh, 25 minutes. Roughly 25 minutes ago, it looks like. Okay, so we're fine. Because I have a timer for how long we've been in a Zoom call, and we started fairly shortly after we joined. So. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so we. Um, uh, hang on, I just want to make sure something quick. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so um, there, there was one year where Dean had his birthday party at like a relative's house that was like kind of far away from where he actually lived. So a lot, a lot of his friend, a lot of his other uh, friends, oddly enough, I was one of the only ones to, to make the long trip. And I had by far the longest trip to make cause that was long after I moved out of that district. Um, cause Dean's a friend from elementary school. So he, he still lives in that area. And I of course, you know, moved away from that area. Um, and, uh, so unfortunately I was, I was really the only non-relative that, um, came to Dean's birthday party that year. Um, and so like, while the other relatives were like talking about stuff, Dean like pulled out his phone and showed me the first episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> which I, which I thought was good. I thought the episode was good. But I have never gone back to watch any more Walking Dead since then. So, yes, it seems like any time I watch something at, a, at Dean's birthday party, I never watch it again. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so that... And, and then the only other thing I remember about Ice Age Continental Drift, because that's what we're talking about, um, is um, the, the terrible line. I don't remember if this line was in a trailer. I think it was in, like, you know, did you ever have Xfinity, like, Comcast On Demand? Yep. Okay, you know how, like, when you're browsing on Comcast On Demand, there'll be, like, a little, like, screen in the corner that like shows what's playing clips from stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um I I specifically remember this clip specifically 
um, like, a, this specific clip playing over and over on, while browsing Xfinity On Demand, and that is, get on me, ship, or face my fury. Or face your furry what? <laughs> that's that's such a bad joke. But they they played that shit all the time. Oh yeah, for those who don't know, Continental Drift is a pirate movie. <laughs> yes, Continental Drift was pirates. Um, yeah. And yeah, they uh, it also worth mentioning, they keep adding new celebrities um, to the Ice Age movies. Like in the second one, they added Queen Latifah, Sean William Scott, and Josh Peck. Uh, I don't know who they added in the third one. But in the fourth one, they add Kiki Palmer, Nicki Minaj, Drake, Jennifer Lopez, Josh Gad, and Peter Dinklage. Holy shit. Yeah, no, again, they go all out for these celebrity casts. Um, yeah, um, so after Continental Drift, unless you have anything else to mention about that. Uh, no, no. Okay, uh, next up <laughs> in uh, 2013, they released Epic, stylized as Epic, all I know about this movie is that it's about someone who, sh- who gets shrunk down and that Aziz Ansari plays a slug or something. Yeah, I so I, I also saw this one in theaters. Um, purely because it, it was at the... I remember it was the summer after the end of middle school for me. Um, and I got invited to go in a group... Um, by this girl in my gym class uh, who I had a super big crush on. Um, if you'll remember, because you were in my gym, cl- you were in that gym class. Uh-huh. Um, there, there were two really funny moments with this girl during class. You Remember how my gym shirt just kind of started falling apart at one point at the bottom? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so do you remember, I don't know if you witnessed this specifically, but I remember someone at one point asked me what happened to my shirt. And this girl says, I got hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't remember that girl, but I remember that. Oh, but you might remember this other interaction, too, uh, because at the end, because she, uh, she she, did not go to the same high school as us. She went to the other high school in the district. Um, and so, like, on that last day of class, when she invited me to go with friends to go see Epic, um, I, you know, we we were, like, talking about like, oh, this is the end of middle school. We're going to separate high schools. And I I said that I was going to miss her sense of humor. 
And I, I do remember you were here for this interaction. And her response was, she, she had misheard what I said. And she said, I'm sorry, you're gonna miss my sex? <laughs> okay, I don't remember that, actually. I, which is funny, because I remember you being there for that one. <laughs> but yeah, and that, that just sort of, again, that kind of proved the point there. <laughs> Um, uh, I remember. It, it, unfortunately, nothing ever happened yeah. uh, with with that girl. Um, in fact, I specifically, I believe, at some time after, like a cup, like a day or so after going to see Epic, I asked her out, and she told me she had a crush on someone else. So yeah, mm. it's fine. I mean, that's middle school. It wouldn't have lasted anyway. Yeah, I, um, I remember. Just like continue on the. Middle school kind of, I guess. I remember on the last day of middle school, uh, there was this girl I had a crush on, and like as we were leaving, like as we were leaving, like we were talking briefly, and at the very end of the conversation, she asked if I had a crush on her, and I said maybe, got nervous, and then walked away before we could continue the conversation. Oh, Jacob. Oh. Oh, Jacob. <laughs> God damn it! What if she liked you back? Cause that's something... she was dating someone else at the time anyway. So okay, well, never mind that. <laughs> unless, unless she was trying to get confirmation on whether or not she should dump her boyfriend. <laughs> um, but yeah. um, yeah, no. So I saw Epic in theaters, and I don't remember like this this movie. I. I don't remember, I feel like I forgot about this movie the day after watching it. <laughs> like it. It's just one of those that doesn't really stick out in your mind at all. I feel like this is probably the least talked about Blue Sky movie. Uh, it's it so doesn't stick in your mind that I forgot they were talking about Epic and thought we were still on Continental Drift. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um... And also, Epic also has a phenomenal cast. Colin Farrell, Josh Hutcherson, Amanda Seyfried, Christoph Waltz, Aziz Ansari, Chris O'Dowd, Pitbull, Jason Sudeikis, Steven Tyler, and Beyonce. Pitbull was in that movie? Yeah. Wow. I, see, here's the thing. I remember the marketing was all over Beyonce. But fucking Christoph Waltz? That guy's won two Oscars, both of which for Quentin Tarantino movies. I guess they probably thought, I guess they probably assumed that Beyonce was going to be the more marketable name at the very least. I, I mean, for, for the target audience, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Christoph Waltz is not a marketable name for kids. <laughs> He won an Oscar for playing a Nazi general in a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> and also, I, I don't know who he plays in Django Unchained, but he won for that one too. Um, it's entirely possible he plays a slave owner in that one, considering <laughs> what it's about. Yeah, that's not unlikely. If he just chews things randomly. Hold on, I'm mildly curious now. Yeah. 
Um, so, and then Rio 2 came out. Um, I don't think we have anything to say about Rio 2. <laughs> I guess not. We, we really don't. I mean, we covered the Bruno Mars already. I, see, I never saw Rio 2, so, eh. Um, and then we have what I think is probably their best movie. Uh, in 2015, they released they released the Peanuts movie. Still need to see that one. Yeah, no, this one is so good. It's so charming. Like I was super skeptical going into this because it's like, okay, like how are they gonna modernize Peanuts and make it bad? But no, they don't modernize. They don't try to modernize it at all. They the the new art style works. It's sort of like it's not like fully 3D like they're doing with Rugrats. It's sort of a two and a half D type thing. Um, and it look it looks good. And it's they, there's no real plot. It's just a bunch of little vignettes and it, it's super charming. And I really like it. And it's on Disney Plus. So if you haven't seen it, watch it on Disney Plus. It's so good. I, I also talked about this in our adaptations episode, but yeah, the Peanuts movie is so good. Yeah. Also, update: Christoph Waltz plays the bounty hunter dentist that teams up to Django. Ah, so, so not a slave owner. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Um. So yeah, and then yeah, after the Peanuts movie in 2016, they released Ice Age Collision Course where they go into space. I never saw this one, but I was <laughs> tempted to watch it before doing this next episode. Because <laughs> it is on Disney+. Plus. Um, but, yeah, they, they took Ice Age. Ice Age went to space before Fast and the Furious. Think about that for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, they, they have confirmed that Fast and the Furious is going into space in the next movie. And I am so excited for that. But Ice Age did it five years prior. <laughs> which is insane. And they did it on their fifth movie. Like, they were re I feel like they were really stretching for what to do with the franchise at that point. <laughs> Oh, it is also worth noting this is by far Blue Sky's least well-reviewed film at 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. The next lowest appears to be Continental Drift at 38. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, Ice Age Collision Course is apparently not very good. But, um, Tucker. uh, then after that, in 2017, they released Ferdinand. That's the one where it's the bull played by John Cena, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and that is the extent of my knowledge of the movie. <laughs> I have not seen it. Although it looked, it looked charming. It also has Kate McKinnon, Bobby Cannavale, Peyton Manning, Anthony Anderson, David Tennant. Oh. Um, Gina Rodriguez, Raul Esp 
Esparza, David Diggs, Gabriel Iglesias. Oh. They really like casting. Gabriel Iglesias in that movie? Wow. Yeah, no, they really like casting singers in their movies. I guess. Which is funny, because I don't think any of these movies are, are musicals, except for Rio. <laughs> Oh shit, Gabriel Iglesias is in the upcoming Space Jam. What? What the fuck? What? Oh wait, I was getting a mix with some oh god, I was getting Yeah, Gabriel Iglesias is the comedian. Yeah, I was I was thinking of Enrique Iglesias. <laughs> wrong Iglesias. Yeah, wrong Iglesias. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I yeah, fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have friends who are fans of his. I, I'm not too familiar with his work, but... I forgot that he was in Magic Mike. He's apparently in Coco as well. Yeah. Oh, God, who did he play in Coco? Also, I'm oh, upset sure. that I forgot that he was in Magic Mike because he has a bit... Because he has a routine on being in Magic Mike. Yeah, he, he plays Clerk in Coco, so not a man. Mm. Um... Yeah, and then, yeah, so, I don't, yeah, I don't know anything else about Ferdinand. I, I know that it's about a bull that doesn't want to fight. So, there's that. Um, and then, uh, in 2019, Blue Sky released their last feature film, Spies in Disguise, starring Will Smith and Tom Holland, where Will Smith plays a super spy that is accidentally turned into a pigeon. <laughs> I believe this is based on a short film? That sounds right. Yeah. Um, I I kind of wanted to see this. I I never did, but I kind of wanted to. Because I like Tom Holland, and it looks ridiculous. It, it, it has a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's not terrible. And yeah. it's on HBO Max, so I can watch it. That that's honestly a much better score than I would have expected when I first saw the trailer for that movie. Because it didn't look bad; it just looked kind of insubstantial, I guess. Yeah, it, it looked like, like a like like a typical like modern animated movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like I I kind of wanted to see it. I I might at some point. I don't know. Um. And then that's unfortunately it for Blue Sky. And a lot of people on Twitter have pointed out that um, because of the studio shutting down, their upcoming movie uh, got canceled. And a lot of people are very mad about this particular movie getting canceled because it was going to be about two gay boys. Um, ah. ah, yeah, I can see a few people with that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so that that is unfortunate that that got canceled, and uh, we're sorry to see you go, Blue Sky. But you you made you made some movies, some good, some not, some that people don't talk about. You made some good, some bad, and then Epic is in there somewhere trying trying desperately to get your attention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um. So, yeah, it, it, you can't, it, if anyone listening to this wants to check out some of um, their filmography, I know, again, uh, Spies in Disguise, I know, is on HBO Max uh, because that was part of the, 
the Fox HBO deal before Disney bought them out. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of their other newer ones, Ferdinand, Collision Course, Epic, Peanuts Movie, and maybe Horton Years of Who? I'm not sure. Um, but a lot of them can be found on Disney+. Plus. Um, so... Yeah, if you got Disney Plus, you can check out a lot of them. If you've got HBO Max, you can watch Spies in Disguise. I don't know about any of the older ones. Maybe Stars, that that seems likely. I don't know. Um, yeah, so that's Blue Sky. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I mentioned my favorite Blue Sky movie being the Peanuts movie. What, what was your favorite that you remember? I remember... Uh... It's been so long since I've seen a Blue Sky movie in general. I guess, I don't know, I guess it might almost be Dawn of the Dinosaurs by default, it feels. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to rewatch, I, I want to go back and rewatch Ice Age movies specifically because yeah. I remember barely anything from them. Um, but yeah. Uh, and then we're going to get on to our other uh, main topic of today's episode. Uh, which is going to be um, the best and worst movie titles. Because, um, you know, obviously titling your movie is very important because for people who don't watch trailers, that's how they're going to find out about your... That's how they're going to... Like, if they're going to the movie theater or even scrolling on uh, a streaming service your title is going to be the first thing they see. And if it doesn't draw them in, they're not going to watch. Yeah. It's, uh, despite the fa- despite the phrase, don't just like book by its cover, a lot of marketing is how you get people to judge a book by their covers. So yeah. that includes the name. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and, and I feel like titling movies is something that is often, you know, taken for granted these days. It feels like a lot of, a lot of movie titles are based on something prior, so the title it just kind of happens because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but other movies, uh, you know, have some title, you know, come up with titles that are good or bad, and we're going to talk about both. Uh, let's start with the best titles. Um, uh, what have you got uh, for uh, some of the best, some movie titles that you think are the best? movie titles or I think favorites in general I guess well it's okay first I'd like to preface our conversation of just an interesting thing to just kind of observe which is that when I was trying to like google terrible movie titles before like as part of research for this uh well for one it's a lot easier to try and google terrible movie titles because it's a lot more listicles about that than anything else yeah Uh, uh, and for two, like it feels like a lot of them. Like it's a very subjective thing, but it feels like a lot of movie titles that like some people might find terrible. I think we just come to accept as good because of the because of the movie itself. Like, I have one example. Let's see examples that they brought up in one. Uh, one listicle lists the Clockwork Orange as having a terrible title. But I wouldn't say that because the Clockwork Orange, like I haven't seen the movie, but like the name has just become like because of the movie status as a great movie, it's just kind of 
become great draft by association, even if maybe in a vacuum, I'd look at that title and go, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, that's interesting because I saw the clockwork, I saw clockwork orange on a list of the best movie titles. Yeah. I was looking up stuff for this. And, and yeah, it is a, it is definitely a, a title that de- definitely sticks out in your mind. And having seen the movie, I don't remember the significance of that title, <laughs> but it, it, it's a good title because yeah. it just kind of, it sticks out in your mind. Granted, the, there are some, there are some cases where like great movies will have titles that um, don't, I, I didn't write this down, but um, it, one that I've often heard as like, a bad movie title um it, it, even though we we were going to be talking about best movie titles but along the same lines of a clockwork orange um when you hear the title the shawshank redemption you like what does that mean i don't know but you definitely don't think of prison films initially <laughs> yeah and and the thing is um i think a, a lot of people say that um, that title is a big part of the reason why not a lot of people saw this movie in theaters. It like this, like Shawshank Redemption. You know, it's now considered to be one of the greatest movies of all time. But a lot of its greatness, like a, a lot of its like audience appeal, came from being broadcast on TV after the fact. Not a lot. Of, it didn't do very well at the box office, um, and uh, you know they've they've mentioned this on Cinemas and or Sincast specifically. They, a lot of people think it's because of that title, and you know, it's because like when you think of that title, like, you don't know what it's like. That title doesn't give you any information. Um, I mean, when when you watch the movie, it, it makes sense, because Shawshank is the name of the prison. Um, but um, yeah, um, but that that's a tangent. I didn't actually write that down. I just wanted to point that out. Um, it's along the same lines of A Clockwork Orange, where um, it's such a great movie, but the title doesn't really give you anything. Um, but what I actually wrote down for one of my favorite movie titles is Spider-Man Homecoming. I, I wrote this down because, you know, obviously people make jokes about the, the running theme of Spider-Man MCU movies having home in the title, uh-huh. which of course this started, but I really like Spider-Man Homecoming as a title because of its double meaning. Obviously, the homecoming in, in the universe of the movie, like the the dance that um, this takes place around, which doesn't play a huge part in the movie in the grand scheme of things. Um, but that's where the other meaning from the title comes in, because for years, people were wishing that Spider-Man could appear in the MCU, but he couldn't because of Sony. Mm -hmm. And so 
after the failure of Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I still like, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Marvel or Disney and Sony came to an agreement to get Spider-Man into the MCU. And so for me, Spider-Man Homecoming, what that title really means is Spider-Man has come home to the MCU. And granted, while I have gone on record to say, you know what, if Spider-Man went back to Sony entirely, I'd be okay with that. Mm -hmm. But for many people, Spider-Man coming into the MCU was his homecoming. So mm -hmm. that's why I, that's why this title is really good. And, and I I think that's entirely intentional. I think yeah. I, I in fact I wouldn't be surprised if they put in the fact that his school was having a homecoming dance just to make this title work in universe. <laughs> I will say uh, to add on to that, uh, while the while the homecoming dance doesn't ultimately end up playing the biggest role in the plot, like it has its important it has its important place like in the plot in terms of it getting everyone into the right locations for the plot to happen and whatnot. Uh, but I also mostly. But like, words. Sorry, uh, I forgot where I started the sentence. Anyway, <laughs> and I like, like, but to add on to like the high school bit, like, since like homecomings being like like a homecoming is an is a concept. Like homecoming dance is an idea that's so like ingrained in terms of association with high school itself that I think it also like works extra on that level, like a bit more than just like the fact that it revolves around a homecoming dance because it immediately brings everyone's mind to, okay, this is a Spider-Man movie that takes place at high school level, like in a high school. Oh yeah, definitely. Which, which hadn't really, which, okay, which had been done basically every single time beforehand, but I don't know, this one feels different, I think just because Tom Holland can actually pass as a high schooler. Well, well where the other Spider-Man iterations differ is they they spend, they, they focus much less on Peter's high school life. Uh, yeah, but in this movie, a major part of, like, the film. In the first Tobey yeah. Maguire Spider-Man movie, he graduates mid-film, even before the middle of the film, I think. And then in the Amazing Spider-Man iteration, he graduates at the beginning of the second movie. Yeah, but so far in the MCU, he is still firmly in high school. Yeah. Um, which I, I, I think... I, and, that, and the MCU... I like younger Spider-Man. I like young Spider-Man the best, for sure. Same, yeah, because like... <clears throat> words... Words. Sorry. He's like it's. Um, the movie is just like a lot more in tune with like Spider-Man movies in general. Yeah, so you have been a lot more in tune of just like that like level experience. I feel like than he's ever been before, and it's like it's really and like despite the fact that it's not a new environment, the fact that the focus is so much more on that level makes it feel like you just feel like it is a, just a completely different iterate like, kind of Spider-Man. Yeah. Or anything you've seen in the movies before, and I really like that, and that, and I really like how like the title of the first Spider-Man movie for the MCU like really like brings that into focus with the use of Homecoming. There we go. That was why I brought this up in the first place. <laughs> yes, I brought it back. 
yeah. All right, yeah, so Spider-Man Homecoming, great title. Um, and No Way No Way Home, I think, is a really good title, too. Obviously, that movie hasn't come out yet, but um, yeah, and Far From Home, too. I, I think all of them have done a good job of it. Like, they've got this fun running theme, and they all work for that specific movie. Yeah, both, like, in a literal and a thematic sense. Exactly. Because, like, Far From like, we don't know much about, like, no way home yet but far from home was also like one he was physically far from home as it as in like he was in europe and not the and not new york but he was also like out like there's various degrees like out of his element and like in like a bit of an awkward like in like in a budget in a new situation for spider-man and for peter himself and no way home already makes sense because of far from home's cliffhanger yeah he, he's Whereas, like you can't to return to how things were yeah, he's going. Yeah, he's going to have a very difficult time re- returning to how things are, and that also might have a hint at multiverse stuff. But you know, Doctor Strange is apparently in that movie. It's going to be with how it's much so he's been teased and like just Fox and Alfred Molina. Yeah, there's just there's so much suggesting multiverse that is going to. Be, I would honestly. Uh, isn't, there's someone suggesting multiverse stuff that it's going to be really weird if they don't. It'll probably, like, I don't think it's going to be, like, the linchpin to make the next stage of the MCU necessarily work. Like, I think they could, like, if they don't want to, I think they could go for a bit about needing to pull it in, but it's going to be weird of how much the idea has been teased. And also, it's so funny, because Tom Holland keeps insisting that he has, you know, a, he, he's read the full script and he can confirm that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are not in it. No one believes him. Yeah, because no one told him that, like, when he was acting at the funeral scene for Iron Man and Endgame, no one told him it was a funeral scene, even. Well, okay, well, no, here's the thing. And, I, like, if, if Tobey and Andrew are in it, he has to know. Mm-hmm. He has to know. They can't keep that from him but I, so i i think he's just lying i think he's <laughs> just lying and i think mo- most of the internet thinks he's just lying um but regardless i do love how that it's just become like especially with the with the with the teaser for the for for, for the words i'm getting Okay, I'm getting the names of the ma- of the Spider-Man movies mixed up now. With the teaser for No Way Home, I love how it's become just an official running joke. Even okay. in the even in the like even in like the media and marketing that Tom Holland can't be trusted not to spoil shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. People also pointed out hexagons on the whiteboard. <laughs> which is another multiverse hint. Oh god! At this point, I want them to just throw in a bunch of hexagons into everything. Not even in reference to the multiverse, just to screw with people. <laughs> you know, you know, Pokemon Black and White also used a lot of hexagons. Is Black and White going to be in the MCU? I got, I want it to be like three years from now, and they've been including hexagons in like, like almost every movie, like. In like some important symbolic role, but no one can parse what the hell they're going on about, like with what the hexagons represent or anything. And then someone asks Kevin Feige, and Kevin Feige goes, "Well, I would. Well, they weren't originally planned, but then I watched the CGP Grey video about a hexagon, about how hexagons are the bestagons, and now I just want to include those in everything." 
what if Disney has been pulling a long con on us and like has been making deals with other companies to include hexagons in their media <laughs> to like pull this elaborate like multiverse that like black and like Pokemon black and white is actually in the Marvel multiverse. <laughs> Like, and other stuff where hexagons like B movie too. <laughs> like they got like they got in contact with DreamWorks and Game Freak and like all these different companies. Like, hey, can you make a movie that is specifically hex? <laughs> or like, yeah, no, they go to DreamWorks and it's like, okay, we need you to make a movie that has hexagons play a key role. And DreamWorks is like, how the fuck are we going to do that? And then Jerry Seinfeld busts down the door. Like, hey, guys, I heard you're looking to make a movie with hexagons in a key role. I want to make a bee movie about bees, so it's a bee movie. And hives are shaped like hexagons. What is the deal? I'm just going to comment, like, take this how you will, but your Jerry Seinfeld impression sounds like John Mulaney doing a Jerry Seinfeld impression. I, I don't do a very good Jerry Seinfeld. I can do a really good John Mulaney, but not... Yeah, no. My, my Jerry Seinfeld is not very good. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm aware of that fact. Okay. Uh, okay, let's get back to our topic. <laughs> All right. Uh, more good movie titles. Uh, I really like Silence of the Lambs because while on the surface it feels like one of those another doesn't really mean anything titles and I don't know if it does mean anything. I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs yet. It, it does. It absolutely okay. does. Regardless, like even when you don't like, even if you when you don't know what it means, like I, I really like the sense of like unease and foreboding that the title gives off. Yes, that, yeah. Oh, God, you need to watch Silence of the Lambs. I do. I really do. God, and yeah. it's like, oh, I love that movie. And yeah, that the title is, yes, the, the title does mean something, and you'll understand it when, when you. Oh, hey, it is on Hulu. Neat. Did they add it to Hulu? According to Google. Okay, here's the thing. Google will sometimes say stuff is on Hulu, but it's on a different streaming service that you can get as an add-on to Hulu. You know what? Fair enough. Let's, um, let's check further. I know it. I think it's on YouTube for free with ads. I also own it on DVD. So I, I could, at some point, we can get together and actually watch that together. <laughs> Um, right. Or again, YouTube free with ads, but I don't, I don't want you to sit there watching Silence of the Lambs and get to the point where like you're about to find out what the title means, and then it's like, hey, have you heard of Honey? <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Yeah, no, we'll. Uh, I'll, I'll get you to watch that at some point. Um, yeah, Silence of the Lambs. I, I almost put that down as well. Um, another thing that I wanted uh, to mention for great movie titles, and this is one that I feel like a lot of people don't think about, but the reason this one comes to mind is because 
um, they because uh, last year um, for the anniversary of this movie, they revealed some of the original titles that were considered. And all of them were way worse. Uh, the movie, of course, that I'm talking about is Ghostbusters. Ah. Again, this isn't one that you necessarily think of as like, oh, that's a really good title. But when you look at when you look at some of their alternate title ideas, it just makes it more clear how good of a title Ghostbusters is. Ghost Stoppers, um, (laughs) Ghost Blasters, Ghost Breakers, Ghost Smashers. Like, none of those quite have the same ring to it as Ghostbusters. I love how all the working titles that they had for Ghostbusters sound like the Asylum version of a Ghostbusters movie. Exactly! Exactly! So, yeah, no, Ghostbusters, like, you may not think about it, but that is a great title, and if we got something else that I I don't think, like... another title would just not be nearly as good as Ghostbusters. So, yeah. All right. What do you got for another good title? Uh, Also, just let me know when you run out of ones that you've got. Because I I got a lot, but I don't need to go through all of them. Okay. Uh... Okay, I don't know if it's necessarily the best title, but one that I really liked was Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Which is which is an interesting story with that one because okay, the movie didn't do very well when it was originally released, so it was an effort to try and I think it was an effort to try and to improve like its distribution, or whatever. They renamed it to Live Die Repeat, which is such a worse title. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. No, I, I totally agree. Yeah, Egypt. It's like I get I get where they went with it because of like it gives off the impression of what the movie even is a bit more than Edge of Tomorrow, but it's such a worse title. Yeah, no, definitely. And that often happens. Like, you know, people think because a movie going back to Ghostbusters, the twenty eighteen uh re, the the twenty eighteen reboot, um, which is awful didn't do very well and so they they retitled it in home media to ghostbusters answer the call which is also not a good title which is not a good title yeah the problem with that movie isn't the title it's it's the fact that you're a disgrace to that title (laughs) i mean i was going to say the script but sure that works too well, see, here's the thing. I always said it was the script as well, but apparently there wasn't much of a script. Apparently it was a lot of improv. I mean I, consi- I mean, I consider, like, an absence of a script to still be a script problem. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, I, I mean, granted, those, those actresses, you know, they, they've got comedic chops. They're probably good at improv, but, like specifically Ghostbusters is the original Ghostbusters is so snappily written there's probably a lot of moments of improv in it 
but it is it's it's just got such a snappy script that like you need that to make a good Ghostbusters movie. So yeah. Anyway. Um I can curious about that. Yeah, so yeah, Edge of Tomorrow definitely like yeah, Live Die Repeat is not a very good one, but yeah. Um isn't the Oh, a sequel called Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat. Okay, I keep hearing things about that, but only in the form of memes. So I think that doesn't mean the same meme of one scene just played in a loop. <laughs> anyway, I think I think they're they're doing. I think they're called. It might also just be called Edge of Tomorrow too, actually. Wait, hang on. Okay, uh, so apparently the Lewis Tully party scene where we were just hanging out with the guests was was almost entirely improvised. Yeah. Um. So there was some improv in Ghostbusters, at the very least. Okay, so so apparently. It sounds like Edge of Tomorrow 2 or Live, Die, Repeat, and Repeat is probably not happening anytime soon. Oh, wait, hang on. This one's from a month ago. I, You know what? I actually don't care. Um, huh. Also, also, it is worth noting that the manga, or like the graphic novel that that is based on is called All You Need Is Kill or something like that. Hmm. Or uh, manga, I don't remember. It's I. It's what? what one more Ghostbusters thing before we completely leave the topic that I want to bring up, just because it's interesting to me. Okay. Uh, apparently, uh, in the original Ghostbusters, like at some point during, wait, during that, where is that? Apparently, during the conversation of Ghosts, or at some point during that scene. A ghost who was going to take the form of a character called Ivo Shandor, which probably means nothing to you, but he's the architect of the building that they were in that summoned Gozer, and is also the main antagonist of the video game. Oh, okay. Interesting. And I'd always assume, I, I could never remember whether or not they had made up Ivo Shandor for the video game, but it's cool to definitely know that they didn't. Because I yeah. genuinely couldn't remember if they mentioned him like at all during the movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's been a while. I that the name definitely doesn't ring a bell. But um, yeah. Um. All right. Uh, another uh, great title I want to bring up. Um, and this this one I'll be brief with. Um, because I've talked about this movie before on the podcast, but uh, last Christmas. Mm. That that title's so good, and if you don't know why, I'm not gonna say why. Just watch the movie, and you'll get it. Cause it's so it's like kind of dumb, but I love it. I think that title is fantastic. Oh God, thank. Speaking of dumb titles that I think are fantastic. Okay, I was searching up uh, more worst movie titles. Uh, <laughs> I stumbled upon one called Hell Comes to Frogtown. 
What the fuck? Oh. I mean, yeah, that that definitely sounds like a like a miserable movie Monday for sure. I've got a lot of those in the worst column, but oh god, it's a franchise. What? What? There are two. I'm sorry. Oh god, it looks like there were four movies in the series. What the hell? The fuck? Ah, starring Roddy Piper. The first one is a 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's way higher than I thought it'd be. So, starring William Smith. Not Will Smith, William Smith. Oh my god, what is this going? What the fuck? Hell comes to frog time. <laughs> Piper, oh, it's a, oh, all good. It's starring a professional wrestler, that, that'll yeah. be good. Well, I mean, in all fairness, some professional wrestlers have really good track records. Oh, yeah, for sure. Some of them do. Dave Batista is probably the best I can think of off the top of my head. But Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Noah. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, okay. Oh, I guess he's had a lot of misses as well. Yeah, no, he has a lot of misses with his movies. He, like... I, I like Jumanji, I like Moana, and I like Rampage. Rampage isn't good, but I like it. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, another uh, great title I've got written down. You know, sometimes sometimes you just want a simple title. Sometimes a simple title is all you need. Um, and I, I, I think no, that is no clearer than with Logan. Oh, yeah. If that movie were, if, if Wolverine was in that title, like, even though it's about Wolverine, it, like, having Wolverine anywhere in that title just wouldn't work. Yeah. Because it's so different from any other film in that franchise that just Logan is the perfect title for it. And and the fact that it's an adaptation of old man Logan loosely, but um mm-hmm. it, like it's not super old, so yeah, just cutting out the old man part, like just making it Logan, that's such a such a great simple title. That's all you need. It's low. Yeah. Um are you just looking okay. for more good ones or I'm gonna be honest, I am I got caught up in that site that had the Hell Comes to Frog Jam. <laughs> I did see on it. The first one to be. And I found and I found another great one. Uh Deathbed, the bed that eats. Oh my god! <laughs> Jeez. Oh man! So yeah, get on my hand. You transitioned into the terrible titles. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I'm just gonna I'm 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 gonna skip all my other good. <laughs> let's let's go into terrible titles because okay yeah because before we get too far. There is a movie... Okay, so the reason I wanted to do this topic and the reason Ewan McGregor is on the thumbnail is because I have been looking for an excuse to talk about this movie for a while now. And I thought this was a good place to do it. 
basically, one night, my mom was just scrolling on Amazon Prime looking for a movie to watch. Um, and she was looking at a lot of movies that neither of us had ever heard of. Um, and one that she came across was this movie starring and directed by Ewan McGregor. It is his directorial debut. And I believe he has not directed a feature film since. Oh boy. That's a good sign. It also stars Jennifer Connelly and Dakota Fanning. Now, the title is American Pastoral. Tell me, what does this title mean to you? Would like uh, well, the, the pastoral, like, I don't know if that's actually a word, but past like, okay, actually, probably actually is a word. Uh, pastoral brings to mind, like, farmland, like pastures. Okay. Also kind of, like, pastors as in priests, maybe? Okay. So here's what this movie is about. The movie is being narrated by... Ewan McGregor's characters are, are like a former, hang on. So, okay. So it starts off at a high school reunion in New Jersey. And the film is being narrated by a writer of a book. This writer has Nothing to do with the... Okay, it's worth noting this movie is based on a book. Uh -huh. And I suppose this writer-narrator is a fictional character created by the author of the book that is a surrogate for him in many of his books. That said, this narrator has zero connection to the actual story. He is simply relaying a story that is being told to him by an old friend from high school at this high school reunion. Um, this old friend has an older brother who is the former all-star star, all-state star, all star athlete at the school who has recently died at the time this reunion is taking place. Uh, his name is Seymour, his nickname is The Swede, and he is played by Ewan McGregor. Now, so Ewan McGregor, is, so, so I, I, The Swede, he, so he marries um, this girl, uh, Mary, um, or no, 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 not Mary, no, 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 he doesn't marry Mary, he marries Dawn. Mary is their daughter. I need to specify that because they're okay. So the Swede marries Dawn, who is a Miss America contestant for New Jersey. So he's a former football. I think it's football. I don't remember. I don't care. He's a former athlete, like all-star athlete in high school. She is a beauty queen. They get married. They have a daughter, um, and her name is Mary. They settle in an old town of old Rimrock. 
uh, where they acquire a large farm. So I guess American pastoral fits in there. I didn't get that from that, but you know. Just to pause, Rimrock sounds like the name of a city in a fantasy game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so a couple of years later... Not here nor there, but... So... So Mary, as she, as she gets older, she, she begins to develop a stutter. Huh? And... Um, there's at some point where like the parents are meeting with a doctor or a therapist or something talking about the stutter and the, the, the therapist suggests that Mary has faked this stutter, um, to get her father's attention. Um, and it's also you know, suggested that, you know, being, being the daughter of two beautiful parents, again, former call, former high school athlete and beauty queen, that Mary feels a little insecure because of this. There's also a part where she starts flirting with her dad at age 12. Um, I don't like where this is going. Okay, and then many years later, when she is in high school, she becomes very passionate about like being don't don't worry that whole thing doesn't actually play much into the story it's just really uncomfortable and i thought i should bring it up um so she becomes um she 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 becomes very passionately anti-war, anti-government. It's also worth noting this takes place during the Vietnam War. Okay, makes sense. Um, so she starts like going to riots. She's making radical friends in New York that she often visits. Um, and, you know, the, uh, her, and she also has a very, a, a very strained relationship with her mother. Um, and uh, and the so like one day like she she's off in New York, but the you know the Swede brings her home. By the way, I, I should mention I'm calling him the Swede and not by his real name because even though it's been many years since he graduated high school, everyone still calls him the Swede. Is he Swedish? I don't. I don't know. He's Jewish. <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so she, so he like brings her home and he's like, no, you, you shouldn't keep going to New York. If you want to protest against the war, I'm fine with that, but you should do it closer to home. A few days later, the town's little post office and store is destroyed by a bomb killing the owner. And Mary disappears and is the FBI's prime suspect in the bombing. Uh, the Swede and Don believe she's innocent. Um, or if involved, she was being forced by other radicals she met in New York. Um, 
So I just realized Don and the Swede sounds like a radio duo name. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you make a good point. Okay, so um so they so the Swede spends the rest of the movie unsuccessfully trying to track down his daughter and f- prove she's innocent spoilers by the end of the film they meet again and she reveals that she did in fact bomb that post office um and then so while at his work he he works at some factory i don't remember what they do there i think they make gloves yeah they make gloves um, this girl named Rita comes by. She's a university student, and she suggests that she knows about Mary's whereabouts and asks the Swede to meet her at a hotel. Well, at the hotel, Rita tries to seduce him. Of course. He rejects her seduction. Um, and she doesn't give him any information about Mary. Um, Dawn has a nervous breakdown at one point, comes into the Swede's factory wearing nothing but her beauty queen sash. She is fully naked apart from that. Um, she's having a nervous breakdown. Um... She then starts to have an affair with their neighbor. She gets plastic surgery, which is barely, like she looks barely any different than she did before. Like it's it's very minor plastic surgery. Eventually, Swede meets Rita again. Um, Rita takes him to where Mary lives and Mary is reunited with her dad and confesses that she did, in fact, uh, take part in the in the bombing and some other bombings, um, and that she uh, has now started. She she has withdrawn from society, given up all worldly possessions, and is practicing uh, extreme asceticism within the Indian religion, Jainism. I'm, I might be butchering some of that pronunciation. But yeah, so she she's uh, she's really she she's like completely dirty. She hasn't showered in months. Um, she wears um, a mask. Uh, my mom was quick to point out, oh, COVID parallels. And I'm like, no, <laughs> shut up. This movie's bad. Um, and <laughs> I didn't say that specific. I mean, after after the movie ended, I was like, God, that movie's terrible. Yeah, and then at the end, the, the, the Mary just kind of shows up to the Swede's funeral. It's like, okay, God, this movie is terrible. It's fucking bad. It's so fucking bad. I'm going to be honest. In your rundown of the plot, I'm still waiting for it to get to the point. Yeah, that's, it's just like, I don't understand why this movie was made. I don't know why Ewan McGregor decided to direct. See, he's a great actor. 
he, oh God, he can't direct. <laughs> oh man. Um, God, I, yeah, no, I hated every part of this movie. Like, I was looking forward to it going in. I was like, oh, I want, like, that, like, we watched a trailer for it and the trailer looked interesting. It was like the, like, it, I, I feel like the trailer really didn't, did a really bad job of selling this movie because it does focus mostly on, like, the trailer focuses mostly on the bombing and the investigation and trying to find Mary. But, like, there's so much other weird shit that happens in this movie around that bombing. It, it's bad. It's so bad. It's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it, but don't. It's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. There's so many other great anti-Vietnam War movies on streaming services with great casts that you can watch. Watch Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. It's one of the best movies of 2020. God, American Pastoral is terrible. And what the fuck does that title mean? My mom just texted me. <laughs> is she telling you to be quiet? No, I'm in my dorm room, jackass. I know, that's the joke. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, sure. Okay, she she's gonna read "Promising Young Woman" so I can watch that, and she can watch. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, bring up another bad title. Uh, there's. Don't worry, we'll think of a title. Which I love that there is a movie out there of a title like that because I I, I enjoy that joke title. I understand. It's a terrible title to actually name anything, but I like the joke title. Yeah, I guess it really depends on what that movie's about. <laughs> um, yeah. oh, oh, God, what the fuck is this? Oh, jeez. Oh, God. Existence. It's like existence spelled with a Z instead of a C and an E is a David Cronenberg film. Oh, and there's just God. a picture here of the main character holding a pile, like, holding a gun, but it's not a gun. It's an awkward meat glob that's shaped like a gun. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. I don't want to know what's up with that movie. Oh, man. Um, okay. Uh... So I it just I just briefly want to mention this one because um okay actually I'm a I'm gonna mention two both are Daniel Craig movies um one uh, we've already talked about at length on the podcast Quantum of Solace God that title is terrible oh God yeah <laughs> that 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 title is just trash and then the other one I want to mention is one that my mom started to watch. I have not seen this movie yet, although I definitely plan to. Because my mom showed me, my sister, and my sister's girlfriend one scene from this movie. This is a movie that is currently available on Showtime called Enduring Love that is uh, came out in 2004. Also based on a book. It is a psychological thriller, apparently. But uh, my mom showed us this one scene. There's these people going on a hot air balloon ride. And 
I don't remember exactly how it goes, but one thing leads to another. The hot air balloon starts like going upwards out of control while one man is hanging on. Um, and, um, oh, hang on. One second. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Cool. Um, I don't know, but you might as well watch it now because I'm actually recording the podcast with Jacob. Sorry, that wasn't my mom. Anyway, so enduring love. So one thing leads to another. The hot air balloon goes up and up, and um, a couple people are still stuck in it. One person lets go just in time and doesn't die, but then there's another person that is just still hanging on, and then they see. Okay, this sounds really traumatic, but the way it's shot is so unintentionally funny. They drop and die from the hot air balloon. (laughs) And this is also on the cover of the movie, by the way. Like, them dangling from the hot air balloon. And apparently the movie is is a psychological thriller dealing with... um, dealing with how this accident affects the people around him. But Enduring Love is such a bad title because it's like, what does that mean? (laughs) That sounds like a romance movie. (laughs) It does. Like, what the... Like, what? (laughs) Enduring Love. Someone dies after falling 50 feet from a hot air balloon. What? (laughs) I so want to watch the rest of this movie because I cannot wait to see how the fuck the rest of that movie plays out and then talk about it here on the podcast. But anyway, yeah, Enduring Love. I wasn't planning on talking about that, but I was just reminded of it when talking about American Pastoral because it was another similar thing where my mom was looking for something to watch, found something, and started watching. She didn't end up finishing it. She just showed us that scene and was like, I'm not going to watch the rest of this. And I'm like, I am <laughs> at some point. Anyway, yeah, Enduring Love. There you go. Bonus little one for you there. All right. Uh, you got another bad title? That's it. That's the title. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> Say that again? What the? What? How do you spell that? Uh, seven S's. God. <laughs> uh, all right. Sure. All right. All right. I got another one. All right. And I already ranted about this movie to you, but uh, I'm going to rant about it briefly on the podcast too. Uh, a recent release called The Little Things. 
uh, which Jared Leto mm-hmm. got nominated for a Golden Globe for. I pray to God that by the time this episode comes out, he hasn't won for it. Um, but yeah, who knows at this rate? Um, the Little Things is just a terrible crime thriller that borrow that tries so hard to be David Fincher Seven, which I mean, you could throw that. See, you you can throw seven on either end of this spectrum for titles, <laughs> especially because the V is a seven. Like you could, yeah, you could throw it on either end. Um, but um, seven's so good, and the little things is trying so hard to be seven, and it's just not not nearly as good. And Jared Leto is the worst part of it. I. God, oh man, don't, and I also, I told Jacob, so I, (laughs) this movie's so bad, and the ending is so unsatisfying, that while I was watching the movie, I saw this in theaters, by the way, it's also on HBO Max, but I went to see it in theaters to support my local theater. (sighs) This movie, This movie is so unsatisfying that as I was watching it in the theater, I was like trying to piece together how it was going to end. And I thought I predicted the ending, but what happened was that the ending gives you so little to work with that I misinterpreted the ending and imposed my own ending on it and psychologically convinced myself that that's what the movie was going for. (laughs) Which it's like, what? How did I do that? (laughs) Like, I convinced myself the movie ended with Denzel Washington's cop character being the killer. But that's not what the movie is suggesting at all. It doesn't even, it doesn't give you an answer. And The Little Things is a bad title. Like he, you'll understand why the title is that way when you watch it. But it's like Denzel Washington's character keeps focusing. It's like, he's like, you got to focus on the little things. It's the little things that get you caught. Um, But it's still a bad title. Because that, that does not, that doesn't, the little things does not make me think I'm in for an interesting crime thriller. And granted, you're not in for an interesting crime thriller. You're in for a crime thriller that is so unsatisfying that you can pretty much interpret it however the fuck you want. And it could be like, yeah, that's what they yeah, yeah, sure. That's, yeah, that's how it ends. But no. It's so bad. Don't watch the little things. And God, don't give Jared Leto awards for this. It's so, he's just being John Doe, but with no nuance and upping the creep factor to 11 like he's one of the amps from This Is Spinal Tap. Anyway, got another bad (laughs) title. Yeah, I got one that's bad in context, and that's Now You See Me Too. <laughs> it should 
should be called Now You Don't! It should be Now You Don't! It really should be! Oh, fuck, yeah. I, 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 I don't watch... I don't listen to much Dan Armin comedy, but I love that bit. I love his bit on Now You See Me so much. Um... Yeah, and you can put Now You See Me under the best titles, too, because that's such a great title for a magician movie. I it really gonna, is. I was going to bring up The Prestige in that category, too, because that's such a great title, too. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, Now You See Me, too, is terrible. Um, all right. <laughs> I got... I got three I'm going to rapid fire here. These are all movies I love, but don't get the recognition they deserve, largely in part because their titles are not very good. Uh, Barely Lethal, one of my my favorite A24 movies. It feels like a Disney Channel original movie that they decided to make for adults. It's so fun. More people should watch this movie. It's just a fun time. You can find it on Netflix, I think. Netflix or Showtime, one of the two. Um, it's got Haley Steinfeld, Sophie Turner, Samuel L. Jackson, Jessica Alba. It's, it's so fun. And then you've got Daddy's Home, an underrated comedy with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Whenever I bring this up to friends, they think I'm talking about a porno. admittedly it does kind of sound like the title for one for sure but it's a fun movie it's a funny movie um this happens to be named after a porn parody (laughs) so and and barely lethal sounds that way too barely lethal sounds like the title of a porn because it's playing on barely legal it's eh. so yeah um and what then, you're saying is all your favorite underrated movies sound like they could be porn, but aren't. <laughs> you know what? Add spontaneous to that list. <laughs> uh, even though that's a good title. That's a good title for what that is. Um, and then the other one I wanted to bring up um, is Cinderella 3, A Twist in Time. That... <laughs> Any movie with that title doesn't have the right to exist, but I'm very glad it does because it's one of the best Disney sequels. And I'm still working on that video. I put that video on pause because I'm working on that Danganronpa video that is going to piss so many people off, including one of my best friends. <laughs> but, I, yeah. So Cinderella, I'll, I'll eventually make a video about Cinderella 3. It's going to be a bit, though. All right. You got any more bad movie titles? Uh, that's it, I think. Okay. And so, so we should probably move on to, like, the next topic anyway, okay, I guess. But first, I'm just going to rapid fire of the movies I've watched for Miserable Movie Monday. Here are the worst titles. Titanic, The Legend Goes On. Liz and Dick. The Lawnmower Man. Single Santa Seeks Mrs. Claus. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Hashtag Horror. Mother Goose a Go-Go. Pinocchio's Revenge. Jaws 5 Cruel Jaws. Mesmerized. I Bought a Vampire Motorcycle. A Nightmare on Drug Street. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet Sealed with a Kiss. And Meet the Santas. 
That's all. All right. <clears throat> all right. So now we move on to our Films of the Years of Our Lives Challenge movie. From the day he was And the uh, this we're on 2009, and this was Liam's pick. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jacob's pick. Um, uh, it's fine, it's fine. Whenever I'm doing stuff for Quinn, I'm used to him accidentally calling me Noah. <laughs> <laughs> Not different Noah, actually, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I know I. Oh wait, I was gonna say I think I know what Noah you're talking about, but then I realized. No, it's not another Noah I was thinking of. It was another Jacob. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, and, and, yeah, this was Jacob's pick, even though I basically was like, hey, why don't we do this? But you were immediately like, yeah, let, yeah, like I was thinking of that too anyway. So <laughs> we went. I just wasn't sure it was on anything that we had access to. Yeah, and I alerted him that it was leaving Hulu at the end of this month. So unfortunately, by the time you're listening to this, it's no longer on Hulu. I guess I say unfortunately, sort of tipping my hand a little bit here. But we chose Dragon Ball Evolution. Would you like to briefly sum up the plot of Dragon Ball Evolution? Okay, so uh, Dragon Ball Evolution is the live ad is the live action Dragon Ball movie. Uh, it follows Goku. It follows Goku, Bulma, Master Roshi, and Yamcha as they adventure to collect the seven Dragon Balls before Piccolo can do the same to do the same and use the powers to summon the Dragon Shenron and conquer the Earth with a wish. Uh, also, they're fighting Piccolo in the. Movie. <clears throat> That really is all that happens in the movie. It feels like more happens in the movie, but nothing more happens in the movie. I guess Goku's grandpa dies at the very beginning, but... Yeah, okay. So anyway. Initial thoughts. You want to go first or should I? With initial thoughts. Uh, oh, God. Okay, I had something to say for initial thoughts. I'll, I'll go first. I, I think I've generally... Yeah, yeah. First, regardless of who picks the movie. Uh, so, okay. This movie is obviously very infamous, particularly with Dragon Ball Z fans. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I can see why. Like, <laughs> this movie is such a bad Dragon Ball movie. But I kind of liked it. I, I, I should preface this by saying... I have not watched, I have watched like one episode of Dragon Ball Z Kai. I believe it's the one where they meet Trunks for the first time. I saw that many years ago while hanging out with Daniel, just out of the blue. And that's, that's the only full episode of Dragon Ball Z I've seen. Most of my Dragon Ball knowledge comes from Death Battle. <laughs> 
Um, so I am not a Dragon Ball fan. I, I've always been a, a, like somewhat interested in checking out the series at some point. And I know the original Dragon Ball series is on Hulu as well, along with one of the other ones. I don't remember which one. Maybe GT? I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, I kind of liked it. <laughs> and I'll go into why later, but I kind of liked it. Okay, I guess, I guess I have a way to start this. Uh, so, just let me finish with us. Uh, so, Goku is like one of, if not the most famous, like anime protagonists, and he is the archetype of a type of protagonist referred to as the shonen protagonist. Uh, and one of the key characteristics of the the stereotypical shonen protagonist is being as dumb as a sack of rocks. <laughs> this movie, like, just like being really, really stupid. This movie makes Goku look smart. Not the character in the movie Goku. By comparison, Goku, the anime slash manga character, seems smart because this movie is stupid. Not even a fun kind of stupid. It's just stupid. Oh, oh, this is going to be an interesting discussion because I thought it was the fun kind of stupid. I'm not going to... Okay. <laughs> let's let's get into specific... Okay, so I want to pref... I, I want to... I want to elaborate on why I liked it, kind of. All right, so, yeah. This movie... I, I feel like I know what they were going for here. It really feels like they were going for the same kind of feel as the original Spider-Man trilogy and the live-action Scooby-Doo movies, where you take a, mm -hmm. a property that is beloved by many, often kids, um, around the world, and, uh, like... Like, in the early 2000s, you know, you have these Spider-Man movies and these Scooby-Doo movies... And they're, like, they're fun. They have the heart and soul of the property in them. But looking back on them now, they are cheesy as hell. And I think Dragon Ball Evolution was trying to replicate that. But it was past that time where those movies were, like, popular. Because those were, like, very early 2000s. And this is, you know, towards the end of the decade. Um, so I feel like because of that and because like, I, like the, the Spider-Man trilogy and the Scooby-Doo movies take some liberties with the, um, with the source material, but largely stay true to like the heart and soul of Spider-Man and Scooby-Doo. Dragon Ball Evolution, again, I don't know much about Dragon Ball. But I know that this is not Dragon Ball. <laughs> um, but again, as someone who doesn't have that attachment to the series, because it reminded me of the Spider-Man and Scooby-Doo movies, I liked it for that reason. Because it has a lot of that similar cheesiness. Particular, the, the particular scene that made me think this is the fight scene outside of Chi-Chi's party. 
that scene <laughs> is so good and bad. <laughs> it's like it is. It has some elements of that 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 Peter and Flash uh, locker room fight scene in the first Spider-Man movie, where he's just discovering his powers, and you've got the whole Spider Sense thing. This scene is very. I, this scene is very similar to that. In that, yeah, for, like, for context for everyone watching, oh, sorry, go, go into it. Sorry, I thought you were going to pause, so continue. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I uh, for you were going to say for context for people watching. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say what the scene specifically was, but would you about? It seemed like you were about like leading to stuff like that. I mean, it's like so. she, she invites Goku to a party and at her house and. Uh, the the cool guys, one of which is Chi Chi's current boyfriend, I guess. Um, it, so sim- again, you've got this similar dynamic: Peter, Mary Jane, Flash. Um, like, and they they just they see Goku coming into the party, and they try to pick a fight with him. Now, Goku promised to his grandfather Gohan, which was confusing to me because I know Gohan as Goku's son. But I guess Go- his grandfather was also named Gohan, from what I understand. So uh, double check it. I, I I remember looking it up and I believe that is the case. Um so yeah, um like he, he promised his grandfather that he wouldn't fight. Um <clears throat> Okay, yeah, like Gohan his son is named after Gohan his grandpa. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, he promised his grandfather he wouldn't fight. So he does this thing where he's like fighting without fighting, like fucking Kung Fu Canoe, that short film I acted in a couple <laughs> summers back. Um, did I ever show you that short film? I don't think you showed me, but you've mentioned it a few times. Okay, um, I, I should I should send you a link to that because it's a fun it's a fun little short film I was in. Um. Uh, so, so he's, like, fighting without fighting. Like, he's dodging their attacks and making them attack each other. And it's so great, especially when he gets on top of the dude's car and slides across the top of the car on his head. It's so good! It's so good! Admittedly, I did have fun with that scene. Although, I w- that's it. My one problem with that scene, like as its like as its own thing, is that they they didn't use slow motion very well for that scene. Oh yeah, no, the slow motion effects are terrible. <laughs> but I love- yeah, like, they, they look bad and they're poorly used. Yeah, no, like, it's bad. They had a slow motion effect for somebody getting kicked into a fountain, like. Yeah, no, it's so no it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Oh man. Yeah, no, it it is really dumb. But yeah. Um Yeah. I Alright, let's you know, let's let's go through this movie from beginning to end. I think that's a better way to to structure. Okay. 
Well, in that case, we get to start on the longer than I was physically comfortable with close-up on our protagonist's sweaty face at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah, no, the fucking CGI sweat is terrible. Like, it's so... That's so bad. And there's another great moment of terrible CGI in there with the bug that he kicks into Gohan's mouth. Yeah, and like, and like for context, everyone, this is just like, like it feels like a solid minute of the camera, like when it cuts from like the like, okay, so the premise of the camera actually just begins with like a vague description of long ago Piccolo attacked the Earth, but then got sealed away, yada yada yada. Can't say anything about accuracy of any of that. I don't know. Like my experience, my knowledge of Dragon Ball is limited to death battle and also this time at work where nothing was happening. So one of my coworkers put on the tournament of power arc from Dragon Ball Super, like on the like on a computer screen, like at the front desk. So me and him were just standing there watching that, but there wasn't any audio for it. Oh my god! Oh yeah. Apart, apart from so the- it was just three hours of Dragon Ball fights with no sound. <sighs> okay. Apart from the no audio part, your introduction to Dragon Ball was my introduction to Family Guy. <laughs> 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 like we were literally like backstage for for a play. Uh, in high school that like barely any of the guys did anything for and so like when we weren't on stage we would just be in the men's dressing room watching family guy on netflix that was my introduction to family guy <laughs> um but yeah no yes yeah, so. yeah and then yeah they're doing a sparring match it, go goku and gohan he kicks a, a terrible the, okay Overall, the effects in this movie are, like, on par with Spy Kids. Which is to say, they're terrible. Yeah, I was, I was, I was actually thinking that. I was thinking to myself, wow, this seems like Spy Kids didn't act just trot. Where is it? This feels like if... Fuck, who's the director for Spy Kids? But it feels like if Robert he Rodriguez. did a kung fu... Thank you. It feels like if Robert Rodriguez did a, spy, did a kung fu movie yeah, <laughs> for some the, of the effects. The part- it's the part in particular that made me think of Spy Kids was Piccolo's ship. God, that ship looks awful. <laughs> the ship it looks awful. It's it's too shiny. It's too shiny. It looks like a ship from Spy Kids. <laughs> like it does. And this is around that era too. Again, Spy Kids was a little, or at least it started a little earlier, but. Yeah, that's, like, my mind, like, went to, wow, this looks like Spy Kids bad. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, yeah, then, yeah, he's training with his, his grandpa, Gohan. Oh, and then, like, at the end of that scene, after, like, he, he's going to school, like, like, Gohan wishes him a happy birthday, gives him the four-star Dragon Ball, um, like he so so like Goku leaves and then it cuts to Gohan smiling and then there's this laugh it who is laughing there (laughs) 
it sound it kind of sounds like Gohan, but his mouth isn't moving. <laughs> it is it Piccolo? Like that doesn't make sense. Like the laugh is just in there. I I I feel like there and it feels like there's a lot of moments in this movie of terrible ADR too. Yeah, like the one thing that my mind is. The ADR for Goku whispering as he's as they're breaking into Roshi's house. Yeah, yeah, that was initial. Yeah, that that's another terrible moment of ADR. It, like his mouth is definitely not moving there. <laughs> or like if it is, you cannot see it. Like it, like you can't tell. He might be moving there, but like they definitely ADR that line. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, no, but the laugh, I was like, what, who, who is laughing? <laughs> How, like, you're not laughing. Your mouth isn't moving. Like, that, that part was like, what? What? Um, yeah, so, yeah, then they're at school. The, the, the bullies run over his bike. Um, and him at the same time, but mostly the bike. Yeah, he 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 kind of brushes it off. Chi Chi's there to show like the 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 love interest is currently dating the the enemy. You know that sort of trope again. You got that with Spider Man too. Um, not Spider Man two, Spider Man one, but like you have it with Spider Man also. Um, well, actually, you also have it in Spider-Man. <laughs> I was going to say. All three of those Spider-Man movies have it, but with a different guy. <laughs> God. Oh. Wait, no. Actually, Spider-Man 1 has it with two guys. Because <laughs> she dates Harry in that one, too. Oh. Yeah, because she dates Flash, then she dates Harry... And then she comes on to Peter, and Peter's like, no, I can't. And then she starts dating John Jameson, and then Peter's like, oh, but I want you now. And then she dumps John, and then they get together, even though he's like, I can't, but I, okay. And then, like, they, and then they, like, she gets coerced by, or no, she, she, like, I, she, she has that night with Harry where they almost, but then they don't. And then he's like, oh, but I want you to dump him or else I'll kill him and you, or maybe just you, I don't know. And then she's like, I've fallen in love with someone else just as Peter's about to propose. And then they might be together in the end, but Peter also had that thing with Gwen. And so it's... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, well, going off of that... uh... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, uh, going off of that, uh, I, have, I have a serious question yeah. for you, Noah, regarding Chi Chi in this movie. Uh, what, what, but what do you gain, what do we gain by having Chi Chi in this movie? Because to my estimate, you could remove her and lose fuck all. Okay, no, here's the thing. I feel that way about Yamcha. I mean, also Yamcha, but Chi Chi as well. But okay, here's the thing. I think I think Jamie Chung as Chi Chi gives the best performance in this movie. 
I don't know what, no. I don't know what it is about her, uh, but I, I think she is incredibly charming in this movie. Okay. I'm going to disagree with you there. Oh, okay. Because I think, the guy, I forget, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who plays Piccolo. Oh, re- what? Yeah, I think, like, he has, like, five lines in the fucking movie, but I loved every single word the guy fucking said. Really? Wow. Which was a stark comparison to everyone in the cast except Master Roshi most of the time. Yeah, wow, wow we... Because now, we, we definitely differ in a lot of things in this movie. Yeah, no, I I, I like Chi Chi in this. I, I, I thought she she was charming. I, I especially my actually, you know, I'm making it sound like the car, like the car fight is, is my favorite scene in this movie. That's certainly up there. But I think genuinely my favorite scene in this movie is the candle scene. With and now, granted, this might be me being much more into romance than you, but I love that can the the scene where he's like trying to light the candles with his kamehameha, and um, it doesn't work. Like he can't do it. But then Chi Chi, and granted, we don't we find out later that's actually an imposter Chi Chi. But the scene is still cute. No, no, because there was because Chi Chi herself is still at the place. Because she has a fight with her imposter in the building. Yeah, but I, I thought... I thought it And Goku was... confuses her for the imposter, yeah, which is kind I... of funny, to be honest. Yeah, because I, I thought... I, I, I thought it was the imposter Chi-Chi in the, the lantern scene, but I don't know. Maybe not. Um, but, like, she has that... She makes a deal with Goku where it's like, for each lantern you light, you get to take one step closer to me. I just, I just think that's such a cute scene. I don't know. I, I like Chi Chi in this movie. Granted, they don't. They, I, I agree that if you take her out, you don't lose much, like thematically. Um, apart from again that that doppelganger scene, which, which what does it? Well, hang on. No, 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 no. Not, not thematically, you lose nothing narratively because she has no meaningful impact on the plot that couldn't have just been some, that could have been like hand waved with one line of dialogue. Yeah, that's fair. I, well, doesn't the, doesn't the imposter fight lead to them getting the draft, doesn't lead, lead to that? Yeah, but she's already established as being a master thief when she stole the Dragon Ball from Bulma, from, from um, Bulma's company. Yeah. So they could have just had her steal the Dragon Balls yeah. without the need for a random scene where Chi-Chi fights Chi-Chi. Yeah, I guess. I don't I, I don't know. I like Chi-Chi in this movie, so, like, I agree. I, I will say, the fucking, the scene where Goku is daydreaming about her eating strawberries, that's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, also hilarious, but weird. You know, I think, I think, <sighs> Okay, like it's like we said at the beginning, like we're not very knowledgeable about like Dragon Ball and whatnot. That is one place where just the movie, like the movie being so radically, the characters in the movie being radically different from themselves in in Dragon Ball just got on my nerves a bit. Yeah, yeah. Because like, because like, okay, and I was trying to not let them be the case because 
uh, like so an adaptation can fail on multiple levels. It can fail as an adaptation and it can fail in its own right. I was trying to treat this movie in its own right, the movie in its own right, and not as an adaptation because everything that I've seen on this movie is people picking it apart for being a terrible adaptation. But that was just a piece that just stuck out to me. Like the romance in general and the like, subplot of the movie just generally stuck out and bugged me because that is very much not even close to Goku. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That is a fair assessment. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah. Also, I will say... Also, can we just... Uh, oh, sorry, you do your thing. I, another thing about Chi-Chi. So, the locker seat. First of all, him forcing all the lockers open with key is hilarious. <laughs> like, that. that's funny. That's so funny. Because it's yeah. so fucking obvious. Like, how do you? It's it's again like the scene in Spider-Man One where he like accidentally webs lunch trays. Like, how do people not remember that shit when Spider-Man <laughs> becomes a thing? Um. So like it's all it, like that locker scene has the same kind of energy. Dragon Ball energy DBE. That line is stupid. <laughs> uh, everything that Bulma says in that scene is stupid in all fairness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, every, like, not just, like, the words themselves. Like, the, I don't know what it is about her, act- her actress's performance in that scene, but every line of dialogue that Bulma has in the scene where Bulma is introduced <laughs> sounds wrong. Yeah. Like, no. like, it is a masterclass on how to not weave exposition into dialogue. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but also, immediately before, when Chi-Chi is trying to open her locker with, like, the card, how is that not becoming Among Us meme at this point? Because that, that is literally, that, that is the card swipe in Among Us in a nutshell. Like, yeah, these things never work. <laughs> like... That is, how has that not become a meme in the Among Us era? That, that is too perfect. People need to go back to this movie and make that a meme. Nah. Oh, man. It's, it, yeah. Like, I, I remember seeing that. It was like, okay. Like, how is that not an Among Us thing now? Uh yeah, anyway. Um, okay, now, uh, another thing. that It's a weird, okay, a weird decision, it feels like. Uh, okay, so, uh, Dragon Ball. One of the big things with Dragon Ball and its combat is, like, is key and key blasts and key attacks and whatnot. And key, like, for all, like, if you somehow don't know what Dragon Ball is, just when I say like he attacks, just imagine someone shooting lasers at each other. People shoot, shoot people shooting lasers at each other because that's effectively what it is. Yeah. But like, despite the fact that they're being lasers, like they can still have like a pretty sizable impact. On, like whenever like they hit shit, mm-hmm. like and like in the animation, like in the animation, and even in like the manga itself, you can still feel the impact of them hitting things, even though they are effectively just pew laser beams. He shot at everything. This movie chose to do key as weird cloud energy. Yeah, they they call it airbending. They yeah. straight up call it airbending. 
And you know what's crazy? This came out a year before The Last Airbender. <laughs> like, these came out, like, back-to-back, basically. Like, within a year of each other. And they are two of the worst adaptations of... I'm, I'm just... For the sake of relating them, I'm calling Avatar The Last Airbender anime, even though not everyone agrees with its classification as such. They are uh, anime, for what it's worth. Two of the worst live action adaptations of anime ever made <laughs> came out a year apart from each other. <laughs> that just that amuses me. Um thankfully well, I, I say thankfully and unfortunately, I've already seen The Last Airbender, so we won't be picking that for 2010. Oh, I've already also I've also seen it as okay. well. My dad had a switch of time. Where whenever we'd go to a red box, he keeps suggesting renting that movie, and I don't know why. Here's, does your dad like it? I don't know. <laughs> Has he ever seen the original show? No, I don't think he knows it exists. <laughs> what? Okay, you know what? That is funny. I, I forget if I told you about this, but my um, the professor that I've taken a lot of my film classes with. Oh, yeah, this story, yeah. Yeah, when we were taking... Did I already tell this on the podcast? I don't know if you told it on the podcast. Just tell it again anyway. You've already started. uh, In a thrillers class I took um, for my film minor, we watched The Sixth Sense, and when talking about M. Night Shyamalan's filmography, um, she brought up The Last Airbender. Okay, it should be noted that this was a filmed lecture because this was a summer class. So she filmed this lecture so no one could correct her on this. Oh, 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 that, oh, that hurts. That hurts to so know. She, she says in her presentation when talking about M. Night Shyamalan's filmography, she brings up The Last Airbender and says there was a cartoon based on that movie. <laughs> Which is so wrong in so many ways. (laughs) But no one could correct her because it was a filmed lecture for a summer class. Oh, well, and that, well, like, I'm, I'm concerned of how she would react if, like, I raised my hand during class and corrected her on that because I would feel like a dick doing that, but at the same time, that statement is just so wrong. Anyway, back to Dragon Ball Evolution. Back to the other terrible adaptation. Yeah. Which, again, I liked. But, you know. Um, again. Okay, yeah, anyways, key. Key. It's like... Yes. Like, I don't think it's necessarily just a... I don't know, it's just weird. Because, on weird. one hand, like it means that like all the key attacks really lack impact. Yeah, it, it feels very la- like it. It feels like they have very little impact until like the very last fight scene. But even that one feels like kind of impact. And I feel like a lot yeah, of like, happens- it's, like it's all animated like as there's like 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 whatever he like hits anything, it's animated as if it's just a cloud of air hitting something. So it, so it doesn't. It's not really conducive to impacts, which is really awkward for a movie about fighting. Yeah, it might have that been the ce- that the central attacking gimmick doesn't have impact. <laughs> Sorry, constraints. Now that I think about it, 
how, I, sorry, I just I don't see how because like the okay for what it's worth for the period and for the movie like the key attacks are animated well but I can't imagine that animating CG air which is transparent would have been easier than animating just lasers which don't have to be transparent because because uh, uh, transparency because from what little I know about CG from watching people talk about like CGs in movies and whatnot, anim- like transparent CG stuff is way harder to make. Yeah, I yeah I don't know I don't know it it really it really feels like the people who made this movie didn't ever watch any Dragon Ball. Um, but you know they. Um, I mean, it talked about like the characters as a whole are just like don't look anything like the character. Like Bulma has a single blue streak of hair. <laughs> Although what one thing that I do like is a small joke of that is when right before go because like they have like the actor's hair like spiked up awkwardly to try yeah, and like refer to that. It does. It doesn't match because no hair could ever match Goku's hair in real life and look vaguely natural. But yeah. like, so I'm fine with that as like. So I'm perfectly fine with that as just an adaptation. But then there's a jo- have a joke with it where like before going to Chi Chi's party, like Goku just g- puts a bunch of like hair gel like in his hair to like grease it back or whatever, and he's looking himself in the mirror and it just spikes up. Yeah, <laughs> and the sound is so gross, and I love it. Because, like, you hear the gel, like, fly out of his hair and hit the mirror. It's so, oh, it's so good. I fucking love that moment. It's so fucking funny. It's so, like, disturbing and also hilarious. Oh, yeah, it's great. Um, Yeah, and then while at the party, Piccolo comes to the house and crushes it on Gohan and that's another great moment of terrible effects. Um, yeah, yeah, Piccolo is just Darth Vader in that scene. Yeah. Also, which makes no sense because one, he's not Darth Vader in Dragon Ball and two, he never uses that again. Yeah, he really doesn't. He does do that thing where he lifts up CGI water to get one of the Dragon Balls. God. Yeah, no, and they are way too proud of the water effects for it looking like a Spy Kids movie. Oh god, yeah, no, that water effect looks god awful. But they they do this like major close up on it, so like they were clearly really proud of it or something. Like I don't know if it works. I don't know if it looks better or worse than the water bending in Last Airbender, but um. But yeah, no, it's really bad. All the CGI in this movie is terrible. <laughs> um, okay, I will say, because we're kind of at that point in the movie, I will say the, the middle of this movie is where it loses me. Because mm. the search for the Dragon Balls, it again, like you said at the beginning, it feels like nothing happens in this movie. And you're right. Because most of, a lot of it is just them searching for the Dragon Balls to prepare to combat Piccolo. But, like, 
the the Dragon Ball search is also so rushed. Like it it, uh, yeah. it has the same problem as the Last Airbender, where they tried to cram a whole arc into one a, a whole like TV show arc into one movie, and it 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 doesn't work. Like pacing wise, it 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 just yeah it it feel it feels like too fast. It's weird because it feels too fast and too slow simultaneously. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you know, just like things just start happening at like whenever, whenever the movie is. Like, yeah. The best way I can describe it is that every, like it feels like periodically they just remember the movie just remembers that oh yeah they're looking for the Dragon Balls and so they just suddenly are on the trail of a Dragon Ball. Yeah, it's also worth noting that at this point in the movie they pull a Rise of Skywalker and say Piccolo somehow returns. Oh yeah, I made a note about that. Actually. Like. <laughs> Holy shit! Rise of Skywalker ripped off Dragon Ball Evolution. (laughs) Uh, Like, yeah, and then Yamcha shows up, and again, I feel Yamcha contributes, I I feel like Yamcha contributes much less to this movie than Chi-Chi. Okay, I will give you that. He does contribute less because it will be... Yup, because Chi-Chi, to remove from the movie, you still need to have, like, a lot of dialogue for why Goku isn't at the house on his birthday or whatever. Exactly. Or, which is more than the zero, there's more than the zero lines of dialogue or scene that you would need to not have Yamcha in the movie. Yeah, yeah Yamcha, like, Yamcha's only in there to give Bulma a semi love interest. And she doesn't need one at this point. And even if you want to give Bulma a love interest, just wait for the sequel and introduce Vegeta. <laughs> it <laughs> sequel. Yeah. Well, okay. No, for is like in the actual manga itself, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z aren't distinct entities. Like it is just like a brief time skip, and then Dragon, and then what we know is Dragon Ball Z starts. Does she have a thing with Yamcha in I, Dragon Ball? I. I think so. Okay. Because I remember there's a thing. I can't remember if it was Yamcha. I can't remember if it was Yamcha. I know Dragon Ball less than Dragon Ball Z in general. So maybe wrong, but I think there was a thing where like Yamcha and Bulma were go like going for the Dragon Balls to like for their own things, and then as some or like if not Dra- if not Bulma and Yamcha, then whoever whichever two characters they were. Uh, we're in the, I think yeah, the guy who I think wanted a girlfriend and the girl wanted a boyfriend and then at the very end they looked at each other and went, hey, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, it it's like yeah no, and it, it's like it feels so forced there. Like at least at least Goku and Chi Chi have like chemistry, but like. Bulma and Yamcha just yeah I I really he's also like okay no the other reason he's in there is for comic relief but the comic relief of him doesn't land at all. There's okay there's like one decent joke with Yamcha and it's half of a joke and it's the they're stuck in the hole Yamcha's at the top of the hole they're calling him an asshole and Yamcha's going yeah but I'm the asshole with a ladder. <laughs> 
Yeah. Which is kind of funny, but then they just breeze past it too long for it to really have impact. Yeah, and the other thing is, he, like, helps, he, like, gets them out of that hole and excavates that Dragon Ball, but they show Roshi flying out of the hole, so why can't they just do that? Why can't he bring them with him? Yeah, yeah. Young does not... Yamcha really doesn't need to be in this room. And he's not even in the final fight scene. They, like, like Uzaru or Ozaru, uh, like, knocks him away and he's inconvenient. He, he's the Quicksilver of this movie. He's the Dark Phoenix Quicksilver of this movie. <laughs> oh, like, oh, Ozaru is so weird in this movie because they do no foreshadowing that Goku is Ozaru. So that scene just is weird. Not least of which because of the actors performing like Goku's actors performance in that scene. Yeah, and the terrible is, CGI. <laughs> Again. And the terrible CGI. Oh okay, I don't know if you noticed it, but okay, this got pointed out to me in a dip, in a video that I watched in the movie and I can't unsee it now. Uh the scene with him transforming into Ozaro and then him transforming back into Goku are the it's at least one like extended clip where it's just from Goku to Ozaru. At, not extended, but like slightly longer clip where they don't cut away and it's not entirely CGI or whatever. We should do this entire CGI, but anyway. Mm-hmm. To trans they play the exact same clip for both things, but for him transforming back into Goku, they just play tra- they just play this clip of him transforming into Ozaru in reverse. Oh, I I don't remember that. But I, also, it, now that they just got me thinking of it, there is a scene where he's fighting Roshi, where he falls down and then does the like awkward off the back jump to get back up. But the actor apparently couldn't do that, so they just played him falling down in reverse. Well, I mean, that's a common trick in movies. Like, I know, but it's so obvious that they're doing this in that yeah, scene. Yeah, like when I mean, in any movie, whenever a character is almost hit by a car, but it just barely stops. It's always the the car like they they shoot the car starting up close to the actor and then going back because obviously if something went wrong and the car didn't stop in time the, the actor would be severely injured and or dead. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the the Ozaru thing sucks and. Okay, they do an okay job with pronunciations in this movie for the most part, but I'm pretty sure Ozaru is supposed to be Uzaru. And I'm pretty sh- and sh- well, I know they get Shen wrong wrong cuz they call it Shenlong, which might be a that might be a translation thing cuz of the whole Japanese thing with Rs and Ls. That might be a translation thing, but I'm pretty sure in the American anime it's it's still shenron yeah it's shenron in the anime which reminds me of, okay funny tangent on that note with the l's and the r's thing uh so one piece one of the main characters is named zoro his official name is zoro everyone knows his name is zoro the official manga translation calls him zolo mm-hmm. Probably for copyright reasons is my... Wait, no, because no, it's, the, it's the official translation. Yeah, no, and Zoro's public domain. What the fuck am I saying? And it's not even spelled the same as Zoro Zoro, because it's one R. Oh. I thought it was two. Oh. Uh, I really thought that initially as well. I got corrected when I actually looked into it when I, re- when I, re- when I, made, that, when I made that naming connection. Anyway. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. So yeah, the middle of this movie really loses me. Um there there's some fun bad cheesiness in that final fight with the effects and whatnot. Um the yeah, no, the the final Kamehameha is weird cuz like he shoots up along with it. Yeah, and then okay, another thing. That one Okay, that bit annoys me extra because of the missed opportunity because famous thing in Dragon Ball is like the Kamehameha or whatever beam struggles. Yeah, and then they- And like, it, and like from where they were standing and how they were both charging up their attack, it, it's set up perfectly for them to just do one of those. And then they just don't because Goku jumps through Piccolo's attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, no, that was weird. Uh, and, and it's like, it's like it is. It feels so weird to me that this is a Dragon Ball movie with worse beams with like a worse beam struggle than Harry Potter, which has really good beam struggles, but, like for his mat for magic duels, mm-hmm. as if they were in Dragon like. The beam struggle between like, have you seen any Harry Potter movies? I I know exactly what you're talking about. I yeah, haven't like, seen the movie like, in full, but I know what you're talking about. I believe like, there's one in four and there's one in eight. Yes, the one in four is great, and it feels like it could have just been a Dragon Ball beam struggle. <laughs> and yeah, then, no. and then you look at the Dragon Ball movie, and it's just so, and they don't even try. It's just so weird. Yeah. Yeah, and then like because besides yeah. the because besides the Kamehameha, like the beam struggles is one of the most iconic pieces of the combat to the point that every and it feels like almost every single shonen battle anime does a beam struggle, even if it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene in one there's at least one scene in One Piece where they do a beam struggle, but instead of beams, it's two people punching each other and their fists collide and they're pushing the fists oh, to punch my. each other. <laughs> which is which is not in the manga, but they put it in, in the anime and it's just hilariously dumb when you compare it. God. Um yeah. Um Oh, and the one one other thing that that does bug me about the the end of this movie. They get the Dragon Balls, they've defeated Piccolo, but they know that Piccolo has been defeated in the past and still ha- and well, have- he got sealed away in the past. He's never been like, killed to their knowledge. And I think they thought they killed him or whatever. Yeah. It well, I don't know. Because there's the mid-credits scene. <laughs> yeah. But so okay, we should also mention at some point in that final fight, um, Goku Ozaru kills Roshi. Although Roshi was dying anyway because he did his evil containment wave attack, but they oh, called it yeah, something else, right? And that, that killed him. Which is, which is a, okay. It's a weird thing. The fact that they had the evil containment wave kill Roshi, because it both is okay. At least it both is and is not a thing in Dragon Ball. 
because he does almost die from overusing the attack, but it's from doing it multiple times in like one fight. Yeah, no, I'm doing it once. I, 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 um, pretty much the YouTube channel, pretty much it did a reaction video to this movie where they, they watched it with, they, they had never seen it and they watched it with someone who had seen it and was also a big Dragon Ball Z fan. Well, Mm -hmm. Dragon Ball fan and in general. And throughout the, throughout the reaction, they keep asking this friend, um, does this happen in Dragon Ball? And the guy's answer is always kind of. <laughs> um. oh, my, my other, my other kind, this kind of happens to Dragon Ball thing was when Goku gets shot and Roshi does a Kamehameha into his chest to revive him. Oh yeah, I forgot that happens. Which, which is weird because that happens in reverse in Super. Oh. It's like Roshi like fall like collapses and and collapses and it seems to be either dying or dead from you overusing the evil containment wave or whatever. No, 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 okay, not overusing the evil containment wave, but just overexerting himself in general during a fight. So he collapses to the ground and then Goku just like Kamehameha, just like use, essentially uses the Kamehameha or just like a very similar looking attack at the very least. It it's it's Dragon Ball a lot of attacks are lasers. Do you think they were sue me <laughs> evolution? Uh, I don't. It would be hilarious if they were. So, like, he just like uses the Kamehameha essentially as CPR to try and revive Roshi. Yeah. And it uh, well, it was, just, it was just funny to see in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, okay. First of all, the one other thing, what I the the evil containment thing, because I completely forgot about that being the reason Roshi was dying. Uh, when he was talking to the one other, the, the, the black monk about that, do you recognize that actor? Oh, fuck, I didn't recognize him at the time, but then I saw his name in the credits and went, wait a second, he's fucking in this movie? Who was he? And then I remembered the character, and then I forgot the actor's name. Yeah, Ernie <laughs> Hudson Free Hudson, okay. Ghostbusters! I was like, like, I saw him and I was like, is that fucking Ernie Hudson? And then I looked at him and I was like, that's fucking Ernie Hudson. <laughs> Like, goddamn, they got Ernie Hudson in this movie. <laughs> like, damn. Um, You're just playing some random monk who's there for five minutes. Yeah, not even. Well, not even like, no, and, the plot line where he's relevant is there for five minutes. He's there for the beginning and end of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. Um, but, um... Yeah, no, the other thing I want to mention that really bugged me about the ending was the fact that fucking, like, they used their one wish for Shenlon to bring Roshi back to life instead of just making sure that Piccolo doesn't return because he's done that in the past. So, like, just, just, I know you're sad about Roshi, but just be, like, like he he gave his life for us cause let's not wait let's not waste let's make sure he didn't die in vain let's make sure that like finish the job and like hey i wish that piccolo will never return again like oh that that was like why just make sure piccolo doesn't return because no, they want. They didn't realize they weren't going. They didn't fully realize they weren't getting sequels to this movie. And wanted to be have him available to be a cast member in the future. 
there's other Dragon Ball villains. I know, but they but Piccolo does is a recurring character in Dragon Ball. Yeah, but just they, 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 they leave him, leave him. <laughs> Fucking just if you're gonna set up a sequel, just set up Frieza or some or Vegeta or something or Raditz or which by the way. I, I found a funny video in my recommended video in my recommended uh, section the other day, and it's um it's a four kids special where they have Sonic uh, talking about the different anime that premiere on four kids, and you know four kids is terrible with translations, right? Oh yeah. So in this description, it, when Sonic is describing Dragon Ball Z Kai and what's happening in the show at that time, he says, Piccolo is a Saiyan just like Raditz. <laughs> Which neither of them are that. As far as I know. Oh god, oh god, that's like saying Han Solo is my favorite Wookiee in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, or or like <laughs> the joke answer the, the joke thing where it's a it's a picture of Raichu and it's this is Agumon, he's my favorite uh or no, this is Blue Eyes White Dragon, he's my favorite Digimon owned by Goku. seen that right uh i have not seen it but i have seen and made similar jokes yeah no, I, lo I, lo I love that image um but uh yeah no it yeah no so there's that <laughs> completely un so yeah they which it feels like that sentence is even more wrong than anything in Dragon Ball Evolution, which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, do you have any more specifics on this? Because we are we are going long with this episode. Okay, there, there's one interaction, like like dialogue exchange that sticks into my sticks into my mind as being really annoying, like being really dumb and annoying, and it's. After Goku turns back into Goku, Piccolo looks at him and goes, impossible. And then Goku responds, the first rule is, there are no rules. And it doesn't line up at all with anything people would say to each other. Well, because he's echoing the words of his grandpa. Yeah, but yeah, but no one mentioned the word rules at all. And it's not a good response to someone just saying, that's impossible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I get where they're And the delivery with. is also terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, I get where he's going with it. But, like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> also, I think I don't think, we, don't think we brought up... At the very beginning of the movie, when Goku is leaping, sneaking out of Gohan's house to go to the party, why does Goku feel the need to sneak out of the house to go to the party? Because he's got the tradition with his grandpa for his birthday, and he he doesn't want. Yeah, but they didn't establish that at that time. They established That's at true. the party, where it just makes Goku look like a dick for not telling his grandpa that he was going to a party on his birthday while his grandpa was making him a massive birthday meal. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's very it's very much like it's it it is 
I again, I really feel like so much of this movie was inspired by the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy because it's very much the same kind of thing where Peter's uh, interacting with Uncle Ben and he's like, I know I'm not your father. Then stop pretending to be. And then Uncle Ben dies. <laughs> like, it's the same thing. In the Sins video, they even make a joke like, uh, main character is a dick to their father figure just before he's killed, cliche. Um, which oh. I, I find it funny. Um, cinema, the, the everything wrong with Dragon Ball Evolution is a, uni- is a very unique Cinema Sins video in, in the fact that because at the time it was like their most requested movie to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, they they did a special bonus round where they did an extra round of sins for everything the movie got wrong about Dragon Ball. <laughs> so that's really cool that they did that because they usually they they usually have a rule where it's like the source material doesn't matter. But for that one specifically, because it was so highly requested, they did that little bonus round, which is really neat. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah. I, guess, I guess one more thing I want to bring up, just like to try, I'll stop talking, I guess, at, at, until final thoughts. Uh, one thing I'd like to bring up is just, I guess a positive thing to wrap things up on my end. Uh, I really liked the joke that they did uh, when they were looking for Master Roshi and Bulma Girls. I've checked every spelling of Roshi in the database. I can't find him. And then Goku says, have you tried Master? And then he starts spelling out Master like a dick. Yeah. I like that because that level of stupid is very Goku. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was... Also helps that he was eating at the time, which is the other thing that Goku loves doing besides fighting. <laughs> okay, sorry. I just got a notification from my like uh, from from a group chat I'm in, and uh, the same person, by the way, who wanted to make their Danganronpa character Kermit the Frog, which I agreed to. Um, <laughs> It, it, again, say also same guy whose ultimate talent is the ultimate Uno Master. Oh um, goddammit, it! Now I want to see a Muppets Death Game. <laughs> I I, I want to watch the Happy Time Murders. It's a murder mystery with Muppets. It's bad, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it watching it with Zale in the theaters. No, I'm just watching it on my own, it was not as fun. But maybe that's just one of those movies where you just need to watch it with friends. Oh god, now I'm just imagining Saw but Muppets. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Bonus thing we'll do at the end of this episode. I let me I I'll bring it up later. But um they just texted a picture of uh, Murray Franklin from the Joker movie. Um and it's parodying one of his lines from that movie as he's talking to Arthur. Um, but instead of saying, like, uh, you're laughing, they're like, a guy was shot um, on the train and you're laughing or something like that. That's not the exact line, but it, it, that's the summary of the line. Uh, he says, you're laughing, 
Shark Tale doesn't have a sequel, and you're <laughs> laughing. <laughs> why? Why? Why do you say why? <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand. Like that. That movie's not good. People, watch it again, and you'll like. Watch it. You'll realize it's not good anymore. Um. But yeah, anyway, final thoughts on this movie. Um, so, again, there's so much bad about this movie. It is a horrible adaptation of the source material. One of the worst possible. Um, but for me, there was a lot to enjoy about it. So I, I, I came out of this movie being like, oh... That was fun. Although I will say that, yeah, no, we, we did mention there's a mid credit scene. It, just Piccolo is alive. That's the mid credit scene and it's stupid. Um, but yeah, um, no, I really, I, I enjoyed this movie. It, like it's partially my love for bad movies, but also partially because it has the same feel as, um, as the old Spider-Man and Scooby-Doo movies. Um, but that same feel that they, that I feel like that's totally what they were going for. There's too, there's too many similarities to the Spider-Man trilogy for that not to be what they were going for, I think. Um, but because of that, that, that same mentality that they were going for made the movie terrible for most people. So um, I, I guess in closing, I would say if you don't know anything about Dragon Ball, you might be able to enjoy this movie more than most. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, Michael's thoughts are, I like this less than Noah did, and now I want to watch Dragon Ball, the actual show. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do too still, and that'll probably, like, sully the movie a lot for me, but, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll probably still, I'll, I'll be able to still look. Um, I will say, um... After you, you told me, like, you tell me... I just remember there's a Dragon Ball Z filler episode where I think it's Goku and Piccolo try to get driver's licenses. Oh, my God. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 would, um, I, will, I will admit, when you um, texted me saying, like, oh, I'll, I'll let you know when I'm ready for the podcast, I, I didn't know when you'd be ready... So I started watching the movie again, got about halfway through before you said you were ready. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I, I, I love especially like the, the, the first third of this movie, especially. So I, yeah, anyway. Um, but yeah, so that's Dragon Ball Evolution. Um, and uh so it's my pick for 2010, um, and I'm I, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do another thing where I, I give you hint, I give you 
like vague descriptions for the movies I'm considering and you pick based on those. Um, But before I do, uh, I I do want to ask, there was actually the, you, the, the, the Muppets with the Muppets or, or the saw, but with Muppets thing reminded me there was a thing that was going around Twitter a couple weeks ago where someone uh, like asked, like, name any movie you can keep one actor in the movie and the rest have to be replaced with Muppets. Which, <laughs> which movie do you pick and which actor do you keep? <laughs> and there, there are so many great results for this. Um... And I want to know wh- what movie you would do <laughs> and what actor you would keep. Oh, well, uh, okay, well, I want to... Insti- okay, just because the bit led to this, I want to say Saw, but keep the actor who plays Jigsaw. But uh, for the sake of... Uh, hmm. I, I, will, I will say um, the one I went with um, was... The movie Black Swan, keeping Natalie Portman, which <laughs> <laughs> is so fucking funny, because <laughs> that move that movie is a, a, a disturbing, um, but also really good, <laughs> and just having having the rest of the characters be Muppets, I feel would just add <laughs> a disturbing factor in a hilarious way especially the scene especially the scene where she makes out with Mila Kunis or (laughs) with Mila Kunis rather Uh, because that anyway yeah so that's that's what I would yeah yeah so that's what I went with oh hold on I need to think uh Alright. Well, while you're thinking, I, w- I will give you the, the vague descriptions of the movie, the three movies. I, I narrowed this down. I-, I had a lot more, but I decided to narrow it down for three. To three. Um, <clears throat> so the three movies I'm considering. Uh, they are a a rock biopic, a documentary, or a video game adaptation. Two thousand ten video game adaptation. Don't look it up. Don't. Cheat. I'm not looking it up. Don't worry. I'm just trying to think of what that is because. Ah. I guess the video game adaptation, I'm curious. Okay. Have you seen Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time? Oh, I have not. Well, that's our 2010 movie. All right. Uh, just, and, and just uh, since you didn't pick the others, the, the, the rock 
Uh, the Rock biopic was The Runaways. Um, uh, biopic of the band of the same name. They sang uh. Harry Bomb that's featured in Guardians of the Galaxy. It stars Kristen Stewart. Um, and then uh, the documentary was Waking Sleeping Beauty, uh, which is a documentary about the Disney Renaissance. Oh. But uh, yeah, we're going to be going with Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, which of course is on Disney Plus because that was a Disney movie. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. So so tune in next time. Uh, did you think of your 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 Muppets movie thing? Uh, I think. <sighs> I think so. I just need to double check an actor's name. Okay. So, yeah. No, wait. No. Ah. While, he, while he's looking that up, uh, yeah, join, join us in the next episode where we will be discussing Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, and some other movies. We'll figure out what our actual main topic is going to be when we you know again we'll cross that bridge when we come to it um but uh yeah i'm trying to figure out how to stall for time um as i mentioned earlier we're we it, breaking the fourth wall but we are recording this the night before the golden globes uh but this will be posted after the golden globes so um yeah, I'll be watching those as they're airing. Um, again, please don't give Jared Leto the Golden Globe for little things. It it should go to either Leslie Odom Jr. for... Well, really, I'm fine with it going to anyone except for Jared Leto. Um, I, I, the... From what I've been hearing, Leslie Odom Jr. is the front runner for One Night in Miami. I would also love to. Well, oh, god dang it! Yeah, I did the thing again. Hang on. It drops it. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, da, 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 da. Let me actually. Uh, cause last time I didn't do this before, and it. So the rest of the episode was just <laughs> like. We like icons for us. Okay, like, I've got an answer. Okay, uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh boy, keep Andy Circus. <laughs> of course, keep Andy Circus as Gollum because <laughs> he's siege, because he's motion cap, and then the rest are just Muppets. That's great. That's such a great answer. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, he'd also be the most visually out of place character in a cast of Muppets. Yeah. Even above just being the one human. Yeah. Vaguely, vaguely human looking. That's so funny. Yeah, that that's such a great answer. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um. Yeah. So join us next time. We'll be talking about Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. Um. I was talking about Golden Globes before stalling for time for you, but then the Zoom call cut out because of my internet, but yeah, it doesn't matter. By this point, the Golden Globes will have happened, and what I'm saying will be outdated, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, peace.
Adios and scene.